Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. No, 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 they're the opposite of ASMR. Some people like a certain noise will set off fucking something in their brain. And it's not just like, uh, it's like they'll fucking like, go, they'll, they'll get really angry. Um, I don't know what you're on about. I know someone, I know someone who specifically watches videos of people doing things that like require a lot of preciseness because they like the, um, the ASMR of people like when they're concentrating, they'll lick their lips or like slightly breathe. So they'll be like, hmm. Like that. It's called mis. It's called misophonia. I think. Thanks. I think they they watch like um, videos of people doing stuff like shipping bottles and stuff like that. You know, mm. Mm. misophonia is the opposite. Certain people's brains are hired to an excessive emotional response to certain noises. One of my ex girlfriends. So like, one of my ex girlfriends had it. So a bit like when you when you come on mic and you go, hey, I'm Lucas. Hey, no. A lot of people so we, have the reaction we, of turning off the podcast. Yeah, we both have misophobia, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've never done that on the podcast, but you have. Yeah, you you've done that on the podcast, and I haven't. You're doing it now. Um, yeah, uh, I can't remember what the sound was, but she like got really angry and like. Yeah. It was your fucking voice. No. <laughs> okay. Look at fucking look how grumpy Steve is today. Fucking hell. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like it when we no, all. No, I want to take. Fight. I want to. I want to take on the offer to not podcast today because Steve's because uh, Steve's being a dick. Hello and welcome to Do You Love Us, a critical analysis of the history, cultural impact, and music of Manic Street Preachers. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. I'm joined by Lucas Way. Hello. And Steve Murphy. Yep. I'm dick. Gonna, gonna keep. <laughs> <laughs> You switched it around again. You're going to keep changing it. it so that you never quite know. Um, are you we, ever not going to be first? No. We are... 
a manic we're, we're a podcast looking at the career of manic street preachers their entire discography we're going album by album track by track asking the questions such as does context make a difference to the way that you listen to music does knowing the history of a band uh make you appreciate their creative output more and more importantly we're asking the question do you love us us being manic street preachers not us the host of the podcast host of the podcast and me i'm a big manic street preachers fan then we've got steve who's like you know someone who was sort of familiar with them but not necessarily a fan before we start this podcast mm. and then mm. we've got lucas who was not really a fan didn't know anything about them at all and is coming to these albums for the first time can i just say congratulations thank you you did that very well. You had your eyes closed and you're off in your own little world and you managed to do it completely off the top of your head. Well, it's and you didn't fuck it up again. You're getting good at this. I get distracted by your good looks. Oh, stop Even it. on Zoomus, um, we, we, can, you know, we can see each other and I, I get very distracted. What are we doing today? Um, uh, well, if, if oh. I'm talking to the listeners here. Oh, if sorry. you uh, heard our last episode with Stephen Lee Nash, and you should because it was fucking great. Um, the interesting. We went through all of the context and sort of outside history for Know Your Enemy. And today is the track by track. So we're not, you know, it's a long album. And sometimes apparently people find our episodes a bit long. Huh. So no fucking around. Okay. Should we just kind of get on with it? Yeah. Um, the album was released on March nineteenth, two thousand and one. It's sixteen tracks plus a hidden track. It's seventy-five minutes long, but that includes about nine minutes of silence. It was produced by Dave Erringer, David Holmes, Greg Haver, and Mike Hedges. There he is. It reached. <laughs> it reached number two in the UK charts. The artwork is by Neil Howells, and I like the artwork a lot. He's a Welsh urban artist. Guys, general thoughts on Manic Street Preachers' sixth album, two thousand and one's "Know Your Enemy." Hmm. <laughs> is that your uh, thought? Is that your general yeah, yeah. thoughts? Uh, yeah, that's that's how I sound when I'm thinking. Hmm. Don't like it. That must get really annoying. You just just flat out just don't like it. No, that's not true. I don't actively dislike it. I didn't enjoy it as okay. much as the other ones so far. Um, okay, but well, that's uh, general thoughts though on the album. Come on, like delve deeper than that. It's um uh, certainly a shock after this is my truth, mm. um, and I think that's probably where that stems from. If I was to have years of listening to this album like most people did. Maybe it might be different. You think it could grow on you? Maybe. It definitely grew to me. Grewed? Growed. Groot. It, gre- it, it grew on you. It grew to me. I am Groot on me. It, I am Groot on me um, more than when I first listened to it. Uh, for my first ever listen, I, I messaged Adam saying, what a crock of fucking shit. And yes, Adam got very angry. like house family on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, Can you stop uh, doing that, please? Doing what? Telling Adam your opinions, I'm so secretive. I'm so secretive. You are, yeah. That and was my to the first... point to the point where you have given an opinion on the album in our group chat, and I don't know if you're joking or not. Well, yeah. Exactly. That's how secretive. Steve you are. just tells it all. Yeah, but I said this on the "This Is My Truth." Steve needs a little nudge in the right <laughs> direction, <laughs> he doesn't, doesn't he? Um, it just, hasn't you, helped. You set that him much, off, so. but he needs a little pat on the bum just to, uh, just so he goes off there. I can't the right get on direction. with it. I can't get on with it. 
I, what, I, yeah. what, what about it? What is there's, it? There's some interesting stuff on there, but I find a there lot is. of it does blend together, and a lot of it is, I would argue, fairly safe. Uh-huh. Which, in terms of, um, there's a lot of just sort of pleasant rock songs on it. Yeah, but they hadn't actually really done that before. It was fine, but that, but for me personally, I, that wasn't. That's After, very interesting. Yeah. We're, we're gonna we're gonna delve into that more deeply as we go through. But the idea that know your enemy is is uh, is safe is something that I haven't really heard before. I don't think it's safe. I think um, oh, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe I'll maybe over the episode I'll be able to try and um, uh, express. Do that you think a bit it's better. less experimental than this is my truth? Yeah, I would say so. It's it's um there, there's less weird instruments and things on it. Would you say it's so? much more experimental than than this is my truth. Oh, I think I, it, I, I think I, it messes I, around more with genre, but maybe it doesn't yeah. mess around as much with instrument instruments. Maybe not instrumentation, but structure and um, arrangement. It, it messes around with a lot. I think. Right. Okay. Let Let me just kind of try and go back and explain myself a bit better. I think, um, <laughs> Steve, there's explain certain song- yourself. Explain yourself. <laughs> there, there's certain songs that jump out of it certainly whether i like mm. them or not for different reasons but there is a lot of what i would say is filler in there and i just okay. i just couldn't get on with the album um personally oh, interesting so it i'm looking big... forward to hearing about it if that makes sense it's a big messy mess uh, yes. of an album yeah and i um, didn't like it and it's reason. very it's very lo-fi uh and it's very long but i have to say that i don't feel like that there, there is a lot of um filler i think there's maybe one track that could go there's a certain point in the album where after that I'm just like, ugh. Oh, really? And I, yeah, and then it becomes difficult to get through it. I think some of the tracks could be shorter, but I quite like that they're writing like these epic sort of... I um, respect the album, I'll say that. Interesting. Because it it it's definitely a complete U-turn. And I therefore that's more interesting than just doing This Is, this is My Truth Part 2. So therefore, I like it because of that. There's certain songs I really like on it, and I I do like a lot of it. But I, as an album as a whole, I didn't get on with it. Uh, so I want to hear why it's good. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So Lucas, you're not um, gonna get you're not gonna get that from me. You uh, you'd said in our group chat that this is the best Manic Street Preachers album that we've heard so far, and I don't know if you're making fun of it or not. Um, it's not very good, is it? Yeah. Really, it's not very good. Adam is going to interesting have a battle on his hands this episode. Uh, I I almost universally agree with Steve, which is weird. What? Uh, maybe not on the experimental bit, on just the fact that it's just sorry, like, the what experimental bit, <laughs> but the fact that it's just a lot of boring filler songs. Thank you. There's a few standout songs, and the rest of it is just like whatever. Yeah, I almost wish they went even more insane. There's a disco track on it. More of that, please. <laughs> No, no, we'll we'll get to we'll get to that, but but there's just a lot of just uh, yeah. I mean, I've written the word shrug quite a few times in my notes, but I I want to know more about this album because I think I've got a pleb view of it. Ah, I mean, it's it's a willfully obtuse album. Um, it's probably why you love it then. It is it is one of my favourite because you are albums. willfully obtuse. It is one, of, one my of your favorites, favorites. yeah, and and I love how weird it is, and it seems like whenever they were presented with a choice in the recording studio, they always went with the most interesting one, 
or or at the very least one that wouldn't take them down a path that they had uh, they'd already been down before. I will say this: every album so far has been very different, mm. and I'm enjoying that. That it's not just like here's another one. I'm worried that that's going to happen later in their career. That it's just be like, okay, now it's another Manic album. Well, this is this first. is where I, I I feel like we're at that point. Okay. I mean, I I I said after what was the last album? This is my truth. Yeah. I said, well, this is a step down from everything must go, and I'd said, is it all downhill from here? So far, that trajectory is remaining. Yeah, uh, that, it's not because there's the best album ever recorded coming up soon. So, lifeblood. <laughs> nope. I mean, this um, uh, this just sounds like an album where they're very locked in to me, and that they want to do something weird, and that they want to surprise people, and they want to create, and they they sound like they're having fun, and they're they're trying new things whilst they're also kind of retaining their like songwriting and melodic abilities, and I think as a like a piece as a whole piece is quite long and it's but it's very coherent in its in its incoherence hmm oh, i like that so have, have you like you know like the the clash right so that the, they released a triple album called sandinista that sort okay. of was a very genre hopping um sprawling kind of mess of an album the beatles did the same thing with the white album which is like this double album that has like experimental field recording stuff and little clips of songs put into other songs and it's just kind of the Beatles Sorry, doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, what are you talking about? What band? How can a Wings song write an album? <laughs> what? <laughs> but this is what the Manics are doing here. And, the, and, and I think where Generation Terrorists felt like one idea that was dragged across a double album Hmm. this feels like there are so many ideas that they're all fighting with each other but But none none of the ideas let's make a song people enjoy listening to (laughs) (laughs) but you did say this was initially maybe going to be two albums right yeah door to the river and solidarity the idea that door to the river would be the softer maybe kind of more west coast as 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 steve nash uh referred to them as those kind of songs and then you'd have solidarity which was going to be the gritty sort of punk more kind of rock album Grunk. um the the album is kind of split into two you have a very interesting genre hopping first half and then you have a second half which is very much straight down the middle kind of modern rock and that's when steve yes. yeah and i that's when i switch off switch off yeah bar, bar yeah, the odd bar I mean, the odd little little bump yeah. i mean do you like bands like sonic youth and and things like that no i mean well i say that i say i don't like them i don't know yeah what's same. what's like your frame of reference for sort of modern rock or art rock i suppose you could call it do what, you have one uh, what, no what Art rock. Okay. To me, you yeah, saying modern so... rock and you saying art rock means two different things. Okay. Because modern fine. rock could mean block party. That's I'd say that's indie. Oh, and and art, and, and, and art rock. So, I don't even fucking have a clue what you're talking what, about. Like cast your headrest or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Um, okay. Interesting. Mm. This just sounds like a logical progression for the Manics for me because they're very good at lots of conflicting ideas all happening at once. Well, it's a logical progression in that I know they get less big over the years and the declining quality of albums would explain that. Disagree. (laughs) 
Um, just stir that pot. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely the album that makes them drop off a cliff. It is too weird for casual listeners. For yeah. sure. I wouldn't well, even, say it's, are, I wouldn't even it? say it's that weird, though. I mean, yeah, there's bits and bobs that are weird, but a lot, a lot of the songs I don't like, it's not because they're weird, it's just because they're boring or not very interesting. Think about This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours, right? That's their most successful album. That's the one most people have heard. And then compare it to even, like, especially the first half of this album, but even the second half of this album, none of that goes on. This is my truth. Tell me yours. It's all way too weird. Mm. In terms of like, I think I think they're taking the lessons that they've learned in terms of arrangement and structure from This Is My Truth. When you saw them do kind of like experimentations in structure and tone on This Is My Truth, and then they're taking it through to this, but it's in a mode where they're wanting to just get things out of them and then move on to the next thing um so it has that kind of like lo-fi approach i mean should we start should we start the album yeah yeah can i just add one extra little point go go for it go for it go for it go for it similarly to go my for it. similarly to my go thoughts on the holy bible where i go yeah yeah go fine. you can list a million reasons why you respect it and why it's clever or go for it very big and clever of them but it doesn't Go mean I necessarily enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. Yeah. And 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 you've gone for it. And that's fine. Yeah. Just go for it. Just go for it, man. I might go for go it. Go off go off, King. Go <laughs> Yas Queen. <laughs> Stop no, talking I take about point, my screen. But um I think oh, I just I really like some of the textures on this album. Right, anyway, look, let's should we start with um with, a good, with, with of, a good one, with a good song. One of two um, songs, songs that they released as a single on, on the same day. Uh, let's go for it. Go. Cool song. Yeah, cool right. song. I like the... <laughs> on the piano. That kind of old style rock and roll. Yeah, all the way piano-y. through it. Yeah. Same note. Yeah, yeah. Never stops. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I really like that bit. Yeah, good yeah, opener no. for an album. Yeah, really cool. And, and definitely sets the tone as well. I find them to be very good at setting the tone on their first... Uh, their, their opening tracks. I feel like there was one example where I completely disagree there. I can't remember which album it was. There was one where I was like... Nah, for the opener. 
can't remember yeah. it though, so who cares? Move on. I'm, I imagine it was cool. probably Holy Bible. Um, <laughs> show me a wonder. Isn't that a a song that they release later? They have a song called Show Me the Wonder. Yeah. Yeah, because he says it a lot in this song, and I was like, huh. I I keep thinking he's saying Tony Wonder. Tony, <laughs> the guy from Arrested Development. Right. The magician played by Ben Stiller. Stiller. You think he's saying Tony Wonder? I keep expecting him to turn up and go, did somebody say Wonder? (laughs) Good. Because he does a lot. Tony Wonder. Like that. Yeah, exactly. This is kind of what I expected of the album based on what you had said, which was they go more in that direction of Rocky after whatever the single was, the B-side. Gotta be honest, this doesn't sound anything like Rocky to me. That's all kind of like trumpets oh, and God. strings. That's rocky. That's very good, Adam. That's rocky. That's really good. Are you pleased with that? This doesn't sound anything like rocky. It sounds like... It sounds like Masses Against the Classes. Yeah, so that's what I expected. I was like, oh, the album's going to be lots of this, which I would have been bored of because that's too much of one thing. It isn't that, which good, but what they did isn't very good. What? I don't think it's not very good. Anyway. I I mean, that's basically what you said. I mean, you're probably still going to give it like an 8 out of 10, aren't you, Steve? Yeah, 12. Steve's Steve's uh, scores have all been between 6 and 8. Yeah, yeah Steve so. rates Steve rates high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Steve doesn't rate high. Steve Steve rates Steve's how he feels. very middly. Um, um no, middly would be 5. Okay. <laughs> it's a great uh opener and it's a great like first taste of the album as well. Um it seems to be about the band again. I could okay. I literally wrote in my of... notes I couldn't tell you what this song's about. Yeah, it I seems do that a lot to, well. I mean, that is the case of a lot of songs on this album. Yep, the lyrics are much, much more stream of consciousness. Super simple, not rhyming. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've like Richie collage lyrics, almost. Yeah, definitely, definitely got that kind of uh, Dadaist collage sort of thing back. But uh, you know, there's um, references to stuff that you you could see being about the band. I exist in a place of of self made vacuum. Still stranded here with all the scum, talking about them kind of finding their soul again, which is what they tried to do. Big yawn there from Steve. <laughs> really big yawn just as I'm I, talking about. Well, I tried to do that away from the mic. But, um... You know you're on camera, Steve, right? <laughs> well, I would hope that maybe you just wouldn't pick up on it. But I like this kind of aggressive sound, and it really shows that they're just not fucking about. You know what I mean? Also, yes. the fucking solo. Solo rips. Yeah, lots of cool little guitar. Does it licks. fuck? No, uh, it reached it reached number nine. Okay, it actually I, did worse than "So Why So Sad." I think this may be the one song I knew off this album. Oh, you knew this one already? I think I knew this one. Interesting. I recognised it, but not in the way that you know I recognised "You Stole the Sun from My Heart." But yeah. So, Lucas, you were saying you didn't recognise any of the songs. Not of this a album. single song of this album did I even come close to recognising. Not even "Ocean Spray," which is quite was a, a modest hit at the time. No. It was the third single. Not a sausage. Should we play it now? If you want. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do we like? <laughs> <laughs> とっても美しいですね。とても美しい目をしてます。<音楽> 
Do either of you know anything about this song? Um, yes would you prefer no. the song was called Tropicana? Interesting. Uh, I, I, when I first heard the song, I was like, it surely isn't just literally about the the cranberry juice drink. Uh, I then, it is. I then read up on it, and it's literally about the cranberry juice drink. Okay, yes, don't tell me because I don't know anything about it. Oh, so we're not going to tell you, are we? We're just not going to go into the context of the song Before... on this podcast about context. You fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't straight away. I've written. Um. It's like about someone being sick. Oh, Let's maybe? talk about emotional context really oh, okay. quickly. Okay. Um, know Your Enemy is uh, quite an important album for me. Um, we all uh, had a friend, I suppose, called Jo. Um, and we'd all known her a very long time. We were all very close to her. Um, and she was definitely like the point at which I was closest with her. Um was around the time that I was getting into Manic Street Preachers. Um, and I was kind of going through the albums. And she was kind of doing that with me. And we were kind of, you know, almost kind of doing what we're doing now, which is like talking, you know, she was big into music and talked a lot about music. So we used to kind of, you know, analyze these albums together. I have two copies of this album. Mm-hmm. Um, neither of which were bought by me. Oh, Joe I know bought going. this. Joe bought this album for me, so that we could listen to it together and analyze. And what she did, because we liked it so much, is she bought her own copy. Now I have both copies because one was bought for me. Um, uh, but as you obviously both know, Joe passed away to cancer. Uh, a number of years ago and she bequeathed unto me her copy of know your enemy because it was quite a special album for the both of us this was her favorite song on know your enemy and the listening audience and probably lucas is somewhat ahead of me right now but this song is about james dean bradfield's mother succumbing to her cancer right and that is a very sad story but also I like that story. Listening to this song and this album reminds me of the person. Um, so where does and the, I think, 
And it's Sorry. that kind of emotional sort of context. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, there, there's something that I can't even rationalize there. I'm yeah. going to love this album because I have that connection to it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to love very... this song because I have that connection to it. And it sucks that this was her favorite one that, that then ended up being, like, <laughs> very, relevant. Very, yeah, very relevant to the situation. Well, no, but she was um, famously psychic. That's true. Like, yes. You know. Yeah. I wondered um, why she kept going, like, you should really pay attention to this song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to prepare yourself using this song. Hmm. So that is my personal sort of history with that song and this album in general. So anything that I say, you've got to take with a pinch of salt because sure. it has that emotional connection. You What's know? the um, Ocean Spray lyric about then? So this is James Dean Bradfield's first ever Manic Street Preacher lyric. Okay. Um, he wrote this. I think that's why the lyrics are like a bit simplistic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's easy to see, to see only white where colour should be. That's not as maybe sophisticated as something Nicky or Richie would write. It's one of the things I like about the song is that it gets right to the core of the emotional sort of stuff. Um, but it is about James Dean Bradfield visiting his mum in hospital while she was fighting cancer. And Ocean Spray is a cranberry juice drink and cranberry juice is good for your immune system. Right. So when you're going through chemotherapy or treatment for cancer, you obviously your immune system gets lowered quite a lot. And so I think they would sit together and drink Ocean Spray. And that's what it's about. That's lovely. Please stay awake. And then we can drink some ocean spray. I really like this song. Yeah, I do um, as well. And I know I've I've said some stuff about the album already about how I dislike the album. However, the first two tracks, yeah, I'm all in. Um, what's the Japanese? Is it Japanese at the start? It is. He's yeah. the photographer, isn't he? He's the Manix photographer. He is. Yeah, and uh, it translates as um, "You have beautiful eyes, such beautiful eyes." Oh, isn't that nice? Really nice. Now, see, I yeah. liked this song. I quite liked it. It was a nice, gentle, nice. And then I read about the context. It was a nice, gentle nice. Yeah, and then it? I read about the context, and I was like, oh, I like it even more now. And now, mm. I like it even more. Oh, that's really? Nice. Because I, of that uh, Except connection. now I'm going to attach your context into whenever I hear this song now. Yeah, yeah man. Because that, if, you were, if you were talking about someone I didn't know, I maybe wouldn't do that. But because we are all very close with Joe in our individual ways, I... I'm now going to attach your context onto it because how can I not? Yeah, yeah. that's all well, I think have, about. You now. know, I have stuff. I have very specific memories of like um, we had one of those um, headphone splitters that we would put into my Walkman, Classic. so we would both listen to this album on separate headphones. Yeah, it's cool, and I, I, I like this song a lot, and and that's I like cool. how it over the years it's it's become kind of um something where whenever i hear it um i i can i kind of relate to this this idea that the, the tone of the song kind of moves through some of the stages of grief okay so there's it's quite a sad song but yeah but I also find, sorry. the chorus is quite uplifting yeah and kind of i've always married that up with you know being sad about someone's passing and being uplifted by the fact that you got to know them at all certainly how i feel about joe um and 
also then that little that that burst of anger yeah and being angry after the first chorus, someone yeah after all the choruses okay and right, yeah. that that th- th- that someone has been taken away from you and also then the trumpet solo which is very mournful and feels like a funeral kind of funereal kind of vibe to it which yeah. um I found Sean, the song. Um, Sean played the trumpet actually, which I think was done. Yeah. Um, it was it was actually an accident because the 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 engineer the the the, the engineer uh, said this this song needs more trumpet, and uh, yeah, yeah. Sean said, "Oh well, I better learn the trumpet again." It was just a yeah. a misunderstanding yeah. that happened. It's just mm. a Sean mournful Sean mournful trumpet solo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this song reminds me, and it. Um, it's got the feel. I don't want to do this uh, summer's day bit that Lucas did, but it does have that kind of thing of driving in nice weather with the window down, with your hand out the window, you know, like going yeah. up and down in the wind, and that—that's what that did. Uh, brought, your brought to me. Dad have a full one day. Yes, Lucas. Good. <laughs> You know, it's, it's interesting <laughs> that your dad drove a Ford Monday because the the casual fans of the Mandatory Preachers became known as the Mondeo men. <laughs> The kind of the kind, kind of, of blokes middle, that drive a Ford Mondeo. Yeah, the middle the middle management work in the city drive a Ford Mondeo, listening to the Lighthouse Family sort of people that got into them around everything must go and this is my truth. What's wrong with middle management? Absolutely nothing. I feel attacked. Management. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's actually an interview with uh, with the Manics saying that this album is a conscious effort to get rid of the Mondeo man. Right. So <laughs> maybe Lucas, it's worked on you. Um, Good song. I I really love Ocean Spray. Um, if if Joe had a second favorite on the album, it was Intravenous Agnostic. For a while, on her bedroom wall, she had Sparkle and Believe. Uh, I remember it, which, that. Yeah, which I knew is a nothing Street about Preachers. what it meant because I didn't <laughs> like the Manic Street Preachers. <laughs> it's a Manic Street Preachers lyric from um, from this song, which is Intravenous Agnostic. If you're ready to move on, do it. Do it. There we go. An, an attempt, I think, to um, confuse and cause chaos uh, quite early on in the album. Yeah. Um, can I shock you? Oh, yeah. Go on. I really like this track as well. 
Yeah, it's so really I'm, not, I'm not doing very well with the uh, dislike. With the whole I don't like this album bit. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, like, honestly, there's not loads to say about it. I just respond really heavily to it. Um, it. I think it's got such a cool, like, punky, but also I think if you were looking for, like, if you were looking for the most art rock sort of sound on the album, this would probably be it, guys. Right, okay. There's some quite experimental stuff going on in there. Yeah, there's like... like um, it. It's like a really kind of dirty guitar tone. Yeah, and um, sometimes the guitar's not playing at all and you can only hear the drums, even in the middle of the chorus. Really? You get like just stabs of the guitar. You just heard it then when he was when when he says the lines intravenous agnostic over and over again, you get stabs of guitar and the rest is all drum fills. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, is it, it's heavy. quite an interesting sound. And obviously there's that solo um in the middle. I'll play a bit of it in in a minute. Um again, a very like just an uh, a very tonal solo rather than a musical part. Lucas, you look um uh dead inside. <laughs> it's kind of a boring song. Boring. A boring song. Yeah, oh, I disagree. Whatever. It's just a rocky song, but again, I just this doesn't sound anything like Rocky. Do you mean it sounds like his tone of voice? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, that's 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 Arnie. That's Arnie. I was going to do Arnie. Then. Uh, I mean, pe- people can't see because this is a, an audio format. But big shrug. Big shrug yeah. from Lucas. I'm just yeah. shrugging. Del- delve just... into that a little bit more. What, like, why? What, what is it that you think's not grabbing you? The song. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs> I just don't. It's just. It's just a rocky song. Stop saying. No, it really doesn't sound like Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> In before Rocky joke. Uh, it's yeah. Just. 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 Just nothing. I think Me- that that is. I miss I think, the anthems. Yes. Well, yeah. I think. I think that that is. Uh, I think the album's doing its job on you. The person who like really responded to everything must go. And this is my truth. Is now being shrugged off again by. Yeah. The weirder just, sort of stuff, but I also um, didn't. My I liked the rocky stuff from the first two albums. I don't remember there being any rocky stuff in the first <laughs> oh, two albums. Sake. Was there a lot of like brass and boxing? Was there the a first couple there of many albums? montages of people running up steps on the first few albums? Uh, I think on the first album, isn't there a song about someone like running on a beach with their former enemy who's now training them? Yeah, that's mm. it. I've never seen a single Rocky film. Know Your Enemy. That's absolutely mad. The first Rocky film is so good. Yeah, I've never seen any of them. All right. I've then. seen Fine. Creed 2, though. But not the first Creed. No, I'm only joking. I haven't seen any of them. Okay, right. <laughs> 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 um, I like the lyrics on this one as well. Um, it's, again, it evokes a mood rather than talking about a specific thing. Um but it talks about stuff like cubism, um, which is an avant-garde art movement, and Calvinism, which is this idea of predestination and that God has your life determined before time even began so that there's no point in anything that you do. Oh, my God. How's that helping you feel, Steve? Uh, (laughs) You mean how I've come into this episode with particularly bad anxiety today and now there's no point in me doing anything. (laughs) This is helping. (laughs) Brutality is needed in capitalist society. Television abandoned my very entity. We all pray for pluralist babies. <laughs> I wrote this an, is 
cool. I wrote reads like Richie Collage lyrics. This is the one where it I does, yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of that on the album. I like Sparkle and Believe as well. Uh, it's is a big Nick, old is, mess. Is Nicky doing backing vocals as well? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of Nicky vocals a lot of on this album, album which, yeah. we'll, uh, which we'll uh-huh. no doubt get onto in time. Um, let me just play a bit of the middle solo bit because there's very interesting musical tonal stuff going on. Hang on. Love it's that. A, okay, it's a that, big bit's fuck- re- that bit's really cool. It's a big old <laughs> fucking mess, this song. That's why I yeah. like it. It's a big mess. It's a big, punky mess, um, and I love it very much. Um, shall we move on to the song that gets so much hate from a lot of fans of the band? Right. And from the band themselves. Okay. Sounds like a Christmas song. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> it's the bells. Just right. yeah. it's a Christmas song. Yeah, jingle, jingle, jangle bells. Yeah, it's no Christmassy song. A little harpsichord going on. Ba, yeah. Ba, ba, what? Who, what do you think ba, ba. of it? Shit. <laughs> I, I love it. So so far, Steve, you've really liked the first four songs in this album. I think you yeah. basically just don't like the second half of this album. Probably. Uh, Why do you think it's shit, Lucas? It's just uh, shit. Adam, you know how much I love harmonies. How much do you think I love this song? Oh, so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much. I really love this song okay, a yeah. lot. Um, I so why it's... so sad? <sighs> <laughs> I think it's pretty, but it's also like weirdly bombastic and 
it's like inscrutable, but in a way that sort of works and it's catchy despite being experimental. And that's a difficult balancing act. Would you say therefore it's bombastic and therefore really fantastic? Yeah, I would. Okay. There's only one bit of this song I like, and it's, and the, it's the solo on whatever instrument that solo is played on. Do it's a mean? synth. Cool. Romantic. It's quite. I mean, the song is called "So Why So Sad," but like, it's about Steve. It, yeah, it? <laughs> today it is. Yeah, well, it, it seems to be like um, some. You know, if someone's just well, everything's going well in your life, so why are you so sad? Come on, like everything's fine, so you should be happy. That's what it seems to be coming across. And then, it, yeah, that's definitely an aspect of it. Yeah, and it's like, well, you can have everything you ever wanted and still be sad. Um, There's some allusions in there to like religious stuff when it mentions okay. Dead Sea Scrolls and the line mm. um, "dependent on above." Is this idea that maybe uh, religion is supposed to bring meaning and happiness? So why so sad? Yeah. Cool. Why is it that, that religious people are also sad boys? But then at the end, it's so um, don't pretend anymore, and it's that kind of mm. accept it. Yeah. Accept that you're sad. Which is what you're saying. I mean, this has got to be one of the weirdest songs we've heard from them yet. Right, like yeah. a weird Beach Boys pastiche. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's a weird song. No, but it's but a weird from this band. Song. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, it's it's basically. And I think that's why I liked it. West Coast sort of rock, and then it's got it's it's like experimental chamber pop in a way, and it's got that synth solo, Lucas, that you said, which is then followed by another aspect that I thought you'd like, which is that like the the backing on the final chorus after the solo is 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 a theremin. I think. Neat. Do you want? Let, let's hear. It it's my I've favorite got... song now. Let's play. It. Hang on. <laughs> cool song can't because say you I, like it now can't say i'd noticed it to be honest but cool ah. it's cool uh merry christmas <laughs> <laughs> uh, i I'm... think that i completely understand why this gets hate from fans of the band so the band even so you said the bands hate it as well the bands think that they should probably not have uh released it as a single at the very least mm. and i think they are aware of the fans' perception of it, because when they played that gig we've talked about where they played all of their singles in one night, uh, James Dean Bradfield apologised before playing this song. <laughs> um, Adam, Sorry. You and uh, Better Steve were talking about West Coast Rock. Yeah. Better Steve. Is that what we're calling the, the, uh, our lovely guests on the last episode? Steve, is now Better Steve. Is, yeah, yeah, Steve, Steve. 2. Steve 2.0. Brilliant. Um, uh, what is that? What is West Coast Rock? So sort of like California, kind of that, Easy, oh, not like not Cornwall then. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you mean you mean the Wurzels? West Coast rock. Yeah. Hook, yeah. line, and sinker. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, it God. means like that sort of easy breezy California, sort of soft rock sort of Slide vibe. Which now I like. 
I just, you know, you know me, I'm a pretentious little prick. I just love yeah. how interesting this is and <laughs> the balls it takes to put out a song like this. Um, but look, look, I can't believe you think it's shit. Seattle's also on the West Coast, though, and that's like famous for grunge. So, like. Yeah, well, that became famous for grunge, which is like his own thing. So, West Coast know. really should have been Southwest Coast, really. I mean. Okay. Sure. Just be, That's just, just, be, a gr- yeah. just to be pedantic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Southwest Coast rock. Yeah. And or roll. Hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, I, I can't believe you think it's completely. You don't think it's completely shit. I mean, that's mental. I don't think it's completely shit, but like, I won't listen to this one again. Oh man, this this goes on my um this goes on my manic's best. This is straight off the playlist. Wow, interesting. Did what about the other three? Had they gone on your playlist already? Uh, found that soul. Uh, it would probably be their pad tracks. Maybe if there was, it's if you gave me a, you know, I've got to fill a certain number of tracks. Who's pad sure. tracks? Uh, Ocean Spray. Nope, now nope, it's going to have to go on anymore. there. Now it's going to have to go on there because. <laughs> You've made me feel bad about being in any way negative about this album because of the emotional <laughs> connection to this album to someone yes. who, we all, who we all love dearly. And yeah. that's how I get you. And if you dislike this album... <laughs> Lucas, I made it up. She's never heard this album before. She never yeah. even existed. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who did I live with? <laughs> um, the... Uh, yeah, so Ocean Spray, maybe because, uh, once again, Adam proving to be a correct twat is proving that context sometimes does change how you listen to a song. Oh, hello. Uh, but no, Why So Sad? No, I never listened to that song ever again. Oh, man. Well, I'm going to make you, so Great. that's fine. Um, I really love it. I, I understand why it gets a bad rap. It doesn't sound like Manic Street Preachers. That's why I like it. I like a band yes. that are willing to push what they sound like and not yes. conform like like you said lucas how fucking boring would it have been if they'd put out this is my truth part two they probably they could have boring that, but you know, yeah but lucas been, just wants more strings but and could have been, but could have been good there's there's, there's boring <laughs> yeah. and there's good i'll always take interesting over good Depends, really. I mean, interesting and good would be great. I mean, that's the killer combination. That's the killer combination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, but they could have at least milked the like the "This Is My Truth" and uh, whatever the fucking one before was called. Everything. Everything must go. go. They could have milked that train for like I don't know five albums, maybe. They could have done, but <laughs> they milked the train. They yeah, milked yeah, the train. A, okay, sure. Odd mixed metaphor. <laughs> um, they could have done, but. They didn't, and that's what I love and respect about them, is that mm. they just constantly want to keep challenging themselves. Um, and, and, you know, there aren't loads of anthems on this album, although this next song is, you know, if you're looking for an anthem, is probably the closest that you will get. This is uh, Let Roberson Sing. See ya. 
let Robeson sing? Um, Nicky sings a lot on this album, doesn't he? Yeah, he's actually in the background on the whole song there, I think. Yeah, yeah. Who's Rob, Robus, Robus? Who's Rob? Who's Robinson? Robinson Squash? Robinson what? Who's Rob? What? Robinson Crusoe. Thank you. The song's about Robinson Crusoe. So this, so this podcast is now just Word Association, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Robinson, Robinson Squash, Robinson Crusoe. <laughs> squash, squash tennis. Um, who's that guy? Robinson Squash sponsor a lot of tennis, don't they? That's actually oh an interesting thing to note. Yeah, sure. That is the most interesting thing I've we said do a... this podcast, according to Lucas. Oh, <laughs> it's actually quite an interesting little fact. Should we do a bonus episode on uh, Robinson Squash? The yeah. different flavours of Robinson um, Squash. This, and the history album... of cultural impact. I don't rate Robinson <laughs> Squash. You're wrong. Um, the... All squash is the same. I just buy like the nah, co-op's own nah, brand. Ribena is not no. Ribena's not uh, is overrated. Ribena isn't squash. It's the uh, devil's blood. Um, this song could have been on um, This Is My Truth. I feel. Yeah, but it wasn't. What, cause it's, oh. Cause it's, because, is, is, that because it's, is that because it's quite good? Um, oh, interesting. No, um, I really like this one a lot. Again, oh, he likes fuck, another one. No. Yeah. <laughs> Steve's slowly realising he's going to give this album a 9 out of 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I like this one a lot, Steve. I really well. like the long-ass quote in the middle of it, and I'm not usually a fan of quotes in songs, but this is really effective the way it then just comes back in with the yeah. chorus. Is it the chorus or another verse? I don't when he comes back in singing no, straight, up, course, straight yeah. after the the, um, the quote, it's very nice. So I would yeah. like to know, Adam, please, um, who is Robertson Squash, and um, what's the <laughs> quote from? Thank you very much. So the quote is Paul Robertson um, uh, reading from a poem called "The Freedom Train," um, which is about sort of a vision for a future where black people are no longer persecuted in the United States just for simply being black. Mm. We can only hope. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he'd be <laughs> fucking gutted if he was still alive. Yeah. Um, Paul Robeson was an African-American singer, actor on stage and in film, and he became famous for his like cultural accomplishments, but also his political activism. And his political activities sort of began with like his involvement with unemployed workers that he met in Britain because he studied over here. Um, and he sort of continued with support for... Um, loyalist causes in the Spanish Civil War, again. Um, he, he was very opposed to fascism, which um, is is good. Yeah, I've, fair, I've fair found... to him for, for being opposed I've to fascism. opposing fascism to be quite a good thing too. Well, huh. you're a civil servant, so you have to be oh, that's true. measured and take both sides. You can't really have a stance publicly, so... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk my job here and say I don't agree with fascism. <sighs> <laughs> interesting. Even though you work for a Tory government, it's very interesting. Ooh, very work for interesting a, uh, indeed. A company who is uh, <laughs> who's actually separate and has been uh, whistleblowing on the death numbers. <laughs> to give you a sort of idea, he he became he started studying in um, the UK in in nineteen fifteen, I think. So um, obviously, uh, black people still very much um, persecuted in the US. He became involved uh, with the US civil rights movements and he had sympathies for kind of like the Soviet Union and communist ideas and he was critical of the US government and foreign policies. So he was blacklisted, <coughs> excuse me, during the McCarthy era. Um, do you guys know about McCarthyism? Uh, the um, One of the singers in the Beatles. Who? 
That's McCartneyism. Okay. <laughs> McCarthy is uh, McCarthy was a, a, a an American politician who sort of led the witch hunt for people who had any kind of Soviet or communist sympathies and would you know take away their passports put them in prison um a lot of people in the entertainment industry got blacklisted um as did paul Robeson. um what is like specifically impressive about him is not just the way he talks or what he talks about but the fact that he became so respected and so famous despite these enormous uh racial barriers that he had to overcome you know like the time that he was speaking out about these things are like the 1940s and 50s wow you know and that's like at the very beginning of the civil rights movement in america um and so this song is it's one of those kind of biographical songs like kevin carter that was about the photographer in south africa but this one has the distinction of being quite like uh emotional and positive about yeah. Paul Robeson. It's almost like uh it's almost reverential of him. In a way that Lucas, I think what you didn't like about Kevin Carter was that it was just here's this guy, this is what he's done, here's his name in the chorus. La da 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 Yeah, whereas this they literally say a voice so pure, a vision so clear, mm. I've got to learn to live like you, learn to sing like you. Yeah. I think they think that, he's a pretty like, top bloke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and, I, and I, that is a much more poetic way of uh, talking about a person as well. But there's loads of like little, um, still, still that biographical stuff, which has, which is like went to Cuba to meet Castro, which of course the Manics would do uh, for this album. Yeah, I've got a problem um, with that line. Go on. Went to Cuba to meet Castro. Never got past sleepy Moscow. Yeah. What route were they taking to to Cuba that would involve going via <laughs> Moscow? I think if they're going I... from the UK, they're going west, right, down to Cuba. If you're in the States, yep. you're going a little bit south and east, right? In what possible way? Where are they going from to go to Cuba, where they would fail to get past Moscow? They got really lost. They really went a fucking stupid route. Unless they're it's getting tr- cold. Unless they're trying to save money and they're combining flight tickets, you know, like that's a cheap sometimes a better way of getting around cheaper is you like fly from one place to another to another and it actually works out cheaper. Maybe there's there a lot of snow in Cuba. Maybe they're doing that. <laughs> that's all I can think of is the only reason no. why I think they would do that. Um, <laughs> and so as a result, this album's shit. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot. You know that. Do you like the song, Lucas? Do you like the song? Hey, this thing's all right. Yeah, hey, Lucas, that, there's a reference. That heinous error. <laughs> there's a reference to MK Ultra. MK Ultra, which of course, is a song by a certain band that will go. Do you want to? Do you want to? You want to tell us what MK Ultra CIA is? CIA mind control program from the World War Two, post World War Two, uh, maybe from the ni- 1950s to yeah. 1973. Pretty fucking experiment cool into human stuff. behavioral engineering. Yeah, <sighs> lots of conspiracy theorists nuts think lots of mad stuff happened with that i mean a lot of mad stuff did happen yeah but yeah absolutely. i mean people there's a lot of, you know there's a lot of people that would still say like oh there's fucking guys out there just waiting to hear their trigger word and off they go yeah mental mental people <laughs> uh, also the <laughs> also uh the second line broken up and still around or still around broken up or still around yeah, yeah. i just hear broken apples still around 
Yep, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, okay. there's a lot of stuff that I miss here. Broken apples still around. Yeah. There's some that I have no idea what he's saying, even though I've read the lyrics in yeah. some of these songs. Um, and another reason that they thought he was a top lad is because um, he was very symp- sympathetic to um, the struggle of the Welsh miners. Um, and in fact, the, the there's a sound clip of applause at the end of the song. Yeah. And that is a recording of the Welsh miners clapping Paul Robeson, who had just sung their national anthem down the phone to them. That's oh. nice. That's nice. Which is another cool little, um, little, little connection there. This was this was a single as well. But uh, as as the better Steve pointed out <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was released the day before September the eleventh, two thousand and one. Yeah. Um, it reached number nineteen, which I think you know, pretty decent. But it's higher than I've got. Yeah, that's true. I think they just left it too long to release a bit of a a bit of an anthem, um, which, which this is. Yeah. Um, I'm not massive on of... the bro- on the spoken word bit. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Not you massive not? on the spoken. Uh, we did this on an earlier episode. That I'm not big on spoken word. Bits I'm not songs. big on it. Usually, just I stuck think at the, the beginning of a song. Used them really well. I was going to say I I don't like it when they're just like shoved at the beginning of a song. But I think like the way on it, all it, of the Holy Bible. Yeah, but the way it's kind of but you um, do like that though. Oh, do I? Well, you said you did. Fine, but the way they've done it here, <laughs> and they've kind of um, weaved it. Into the song, I think is really effective. I mean, there yeah, is examples where I like it. They did a similar thing on "Ready for Drowning," didn't they? Don't get me wrong. There's yeah. times when I like it. Mm. Mm. When Muse do it? No, uh, there's a particular Idle Wild song. Remember that band, Idle Wild? Oh God! Uh, on a song produced by Dave Ringer. Someone once told me that um, a band I was in sounded like Idle Wild. Which band? Uh, Swim. Needless oh, to say, yeah, we broke yeah. up about a week later. Uh, <laughs> I, I quite like a decent amount of Idlewild songs, and there's one called Scottish Fiction, and it's got a little Scottish poem on it, and it's really, really nice. Okay, fair oh. enough. I used to get high and listen to it and mong to it. That's okay. why I like it. There it, it is. Yeah. That's okay. why I like it a lot. <laughs> okay, great. It's that emotional context. Cheers, yeah. Ed, if you're listening. Thanks for that one. <laughs> wow. What, really thanks for the weed. Spot. <laughs> thanks for the, the song recommendation, The Weed. <laughs> Okay, Year of Purification. Sure, good song. Uh, see, see if you can guess why I like this song. Good song. So knowing me and knowing, knowing you, what uh-huh. bands that I'm I- into as well as the Manics, why do you think I like that song? Twangy uh, guitar. 
bits. It sounds exactly like an REM song. It go. does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's that drum beat. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and, and the, the guitar the tone, up, yeah. Arpeggiated, clean guitars. Yes. Kind of that college rock sort of uh, song. That's why I like this song. Oh, you like this one? I like, I like that it's got a vibe. Yeah, and again, not something that we've heard the Manics do before. This song does nothing for me. I would have thought you'd like to see I when I heard this song. I was like, oh, Steve's going to fucking love this song. Yeah, I thought you'd like this I like, song. I think it's a very pleasant, it's a very pleasant song. I like it. It, like, it, it just so does you do nothing like for, it? No. Um, <laughs> it just Steve, do, do you like this? Me. Do you like this song, though? Oh, yeah, I do like it, don't what, I? What, I? What I'm learning about Steve is that he actually really hates saying negative things about stuff, which is really nice. You're just a positive guy. So yeah. you're like, I fucking hate this song. Well, I like it though. <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. You can't bear I'm, to be negative about stuff. I can be very negative about myself. Um, it, it, well, that's justified. It's pleasant. <laughs> it just I was going to go there and decided against it, but <laughs> Adam did for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just does nothing for me. It's fine. Fair enough. It's got a good I, vibe. I mean, you know, what uh, is the year of purification? Yeah, I've got like that in question. the lyrics. I, uh, but I just yeah, like the down down down. Who knows? I like the little twangs. I just like the. Who knows? Detoxification, purification, the ravaged corner, cold and embittered. Run away as fast as you can from anything that needs discipline. Don't know. What does that mean? I don't know. But there's no. I have written you know, pleasant. I have written pleasant this... song, but I've misspelled it, so I've just written peasant song. So maybe I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, it's like Steve kind of has summed it up. It is just a really pleasant song and it's absolutely my jam and I like it very much. Yeah, I like this. Uh, the, the lyrics don't make any kind of like attainable sense, but there is that sort of, you know, there there is they, they evoke a mood, I suppose. It's a fun song. Manics don't often sound like fun and bright, and this is. Yeah, I think that's why I like it. Again. It's a bit fun. Mm. It's got a bit of a. It's just got a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Really and good song. There is a bit. That... <laughs> <laughs> okay, a bit you've twisted makes... my arm. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a bit that makes me laugh as well, which is um, there's a really sweet breakdown, um, and James's voice sounds really pure on it, but the lyrics he's saying are liberal asinine pricks. <laughs> that's. Um, I just again, just something I really like about the Manics. Yeah. Um, I would say that whilst I identify this as like an REM type sound, they are more than likely trying to emulate McCarthy, which is a British indie band that they are huge fans of. That has that kind of jangle pop sort of sound. Okay, and they'll come up again later on in the album. Mm. I think you can, you know. It's a like I think Steve, like you said, pleasant song. There's not tons for us to say about it, I suppose. Except that yeah. it's one of the few pleasant songs on the album. That's probably true. I think this and and so why so sad are probably the only pleasant sounding ones. Maybe I'll let Robeson sing. Maybe. Mm, um, but even now. Ocean Spray has that um, bit where like it. Uh, the bit where we all start crying. The bit where we all start crying. Listening yeah, to the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so and now begins the section of the album that I like to call the James Dean Bradfield halftime bass extravaganza. <laughs> cool. I got 
Wattsville Blues. I cannot stand this song. It makes me annoyed. Oh, go on, why? I just cannot get on with Nikki's vocals in this. I well, what is very it much dislike it. I'm really sorry. I just it it's the tone of his voice winds me up and I can't put my finger on it. And mm. I'm very sorry. <laughs> well, I, I, I <laughs> hated having to listen to this song. Really? Yeah. Lucas, how about you? Great song. Ah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm firmly in Lucas's camp with yeah. this one. Uh, uh, I, I kind of don't judge it alongside other songs because it's sung by Nikki. Sure. I sort of am like, well, this is sort of a different thing almost because it's, I don't know. Okay, it's a different that's interesting. Thing. I sort of, Either way, cool bass, cool. This, yeah, that I bass. Mean, so, so cool bass. This is this is part one of the James Dean Bradfield halftime bass extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Um, it arrives at a roughly a halfway point of the album, and is two songs where I'm pretty sure James played the bass part and not Nicky because it's too good. It, yeah, and <laughs> also he played them live well, as well. When they played these songs live, James would pick up the bass for two songs. Yeah, because in my notes I put. Uh, oh, Nicky's really improved at the bass since he didn't really know how to play in the early albums, but may- maybe he hasn't. <laughs> he could play this now, I think, but I think at the time this would have been a, a James uh, bass line. And it's, again, it is an extravaganza. But I like so that Steve... it sort of matches the vocal. Like, it's not quite exactly, but it's sort of harmonising with the vocals. But it, yeah, it's, it's not harmonising. It's, it's not so... harmonising, but it's, it's going off in the it same... Monstrously. It's going in the same... I don't know what you'd call it. Adam would have well, a technical term for it, probably. Um, the 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 baseline part that Lucas is talking about is in the chorus, and James is singing in the chorus, so mm. it is in with that. It's just not in with Nikki. Oh, James and, is singing in the chorus, and as well Nikki. as Nikki. You can hear him in the background. Oh yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's doing the high um, bit, which is good. That bit's good. Now I James. thought I might have to defend this song a little yeah. bit to Steve or to me. Who did you expect? With either this both. song brings the album down for me now i've just realized we forgot is it at just the, start the, of the voice? episode to do what we predict each other's worst and best would be oh, we can do that at the end that's fine why would you do that at the end oh yeah it doesn't no, work because does <laughs> um, steve on our on our, on our group chat right on our group chat you estimated that this would be my favorite yes you're wrong is right? but it is up there. okay it's good no the it's next good. one's your favorite it's a, it's a good one yeah i i think the next one's your favorite as well we'll, we'll get there when we get there um steve is it just the voice that you don't like yeah, um, yeah, and I can't go the just the it's just grating. Oh yeah, but that is the point. I know it is, and therefore I don't like it. It's like a one chord verse with that little accent. It's got the synth like stabs. The program drums are a little bit off kilter. It's deliberately doing something that I am not into. That's fine. I'm for the sake of the podcast. I'm going to describe what it's doing. Please, I'm not trying to like convince you of anything. it, it's it's a very tension filled verse because it's one chord with that tiny little um, accent, which I think is like it's a D chord, right? Just moved one fret up. It's absolutely horrible to play on guitar. It yeah. really sounds awful. Um, and there's so much tension in that because you're waiting for something to happen, and then the chorus happens, and it has that bass line, and it has. James kind of in that upper register with Nicky on the lower register and I get I get that his vocals are not in tune mm. which I know is deliberate I know it's not yeah yeah I know it's that's not deliberate. the best 
But if that is something that automa- automatically makes a song bad to someone, and I'm not necessarily accusing this uh, you of this, Steve, but you'd miss out on so much great music if you just went by like how good an artist's voice is. You got things yeah. like Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen. Mm. I mean, Idols. Yeah. Uh, LCD Sound System. Uh, Nick Cave. Nick yeah. Cave p- categorically cannot sing. Sure. But is However, responsible for some of the most beautiful songs ever written. Mm. I, I think is... for me personally, sometimes a singer doesn't have to be technically good if they're able to portray or evoke moods or themes with their voice. I totally and agree. However, I don't like it on this song. That's fine. But yeah. the, the mood or theme of this song is being so bored to the point of frustration. And that's exactly how Nicky sounds to me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wattsville is is where Nicky lived in in South Wales. Um, Which is why there's such a release of kind of tension in the chorus, because he spends the verse being bored to the point of frustration, which you can hear in in his voice. Um, And then he realises that he'd probably live anywhere if he could still see the smile on your face and the place that it is has like some kind of sense of place um and and that's when the song kind of like releases and and grows into something and i have to say we had this with be natural that the first verse is horrible and then the first chorus is great which makes the second verse feel better because you know that the, the release is coming do you know what i mean sure it kind of retroactively puts it into step for me interesting yeah i'm realizing that the i'm liking the songs in this album that have a vibe that have yeah. a definite clear vibe and the ones that i'm big fat meting is the just just the rock songs but then you didn't like so why so sad oh and why so sad because it sounds like a shit christmas song but i uh, i i dislike <laughs> the song however i prefer it to some of the later tracks still because, Interesting. Because another of my nothing them. I mean, I tell you what, it's uh, as Nico said, it is a vibe. Yeah. You know, they're doing yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you respond to it or not, they've committed wholeheartedly to yeah. whatever it is they wanted this track to be. Um, I really like it, especially it's, the chorus. It's maybe a touch long because it is four and a half minutes of quite droney drone. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, almost every song could do with, with trimming. Yeah, I kind of agree with yeah. a lot of that, actually. Especially, Especially one that's half. fucking 25 minutes long, however long it is. What? There's, uh, what? I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Oh, okay. There's one that's <laughs> there's far, one that's far six, too long. There's one that's six and a half minutes. Uh, yeah. yeah, 25 and a half minutes, yeah. Yeah, 25 and a half minutes. Do you have anything more to say about What's Full Blues? I mean, Steve, obviously, uh, you're entitled uh, to your thanks, man. Wrong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I kind of figure that you are going to struggle with Nicky vocals in general because, as you said, you're very like, you're so into like melodies and harmonies. Mm, I love a hook, <laughs> and you're not going to get that from Nicky Wire. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, is he saying in the lyrics that he? hates Wattsville and is sick of it and you know is bored to tears but also loves it because it's home yes yeah yes exactly also don't want no friends don't want useless fuckers knocking at my door poxy fucking assholes following me don't you understand that I fucking despise every single living organism (laughs) okay what are the lyrics though 
Someone was in a bad mood. <laughs> Someone's a grumpus. <laughs> Let's continue with the James Dean Bradfield halftime bass extravaganza. Europa disco dancer inject the funk directly into my veins <laughs> is that your favorite track of course it fucking is yeah of course it is <laughs> i said this weeks ago as soon as yeah. you said there is a clear favorite on this album i believe i instantly messaged back it's miss europa disco dancer yeah obviously <laughs> because of course it is because the funk it's Good got string it's got strings <laughs> it's got some funk it's like disco <laughs> lots got a lot of time for this song it's like disco. I mean, it just is disco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a... <laughs> great. And it's called what? Miss Europa Disco Dancer. <laughs> yeah. It's a great song. It's just a great... What a chorus. Yeah, well. delightful like... chorus. Lovely strings, I how... which I mean, I quite like... I think I quite like stringed instruments, actually. You do like strings. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. they're generally a, a net positive on a song. Big fan of puppets, <laughs> aren't you? What? What? We talked about Thunderbirds last time, Steve. Okay. We did. Yeah. That's why you like strings. Thank you. Yeah, Move no, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, mm, disco, innit? Steve, yeah. how do you feel about Nikki's vocals on this? Uh, <laughs> I love this song, and I think it's <laughs> fucking ruined by brain dead motherfuckers. Sorry, again. that's Nikki. Oh, that's that's my. Of course, favorite. it's Nikki. I thought that was Adam Scott Glasspool. Oh, really? <laughs> because it sounds exactly what like, you think like Adam. Adam did an edit for us I, and for put a, his voice over. For a split second, Spotify, I thought so. maybe he did because it's Adam. It sounds no, it, exactly it, like Adam. It, it doesn't ruin the song for me, but I um, I dislike that. Yeah, it's kind of a, it is kind of unnecessary, but I it was, seems it, like he's gone. No, <laughs> like edgy. But it was I nice to hear my friend on the song. I actually <laughs> wasn't talking about that bit. Nikki is the person that sings the line "Miss Europa Disco Dancer." Yeah, that's great. Oh right, but that's the bit I was asking you about. Okay, yeah. no, I, I like all of the song. I just don't like the last bit. I mean. <laughs> the the line <laughs> brain dead motherfuckers not yeah. even being sung just being said brain dead repeated over disco music fills me with so much joy well that's <laughs> why you agreed to do it on the record presumably yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just love that bit so much i'm gonna hang on let me see if i can play a bit of it Dead, 
bit of a synth solo going on in the background of that bit I mean, as well. Lucas, yeah, it's Adam if he's got a Welsh accent, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I mean, I just, I just love the sound of them fucking having fun and fucking yeah, about I love and a expanding bit. I love a fun their palette. Song. I just love yeah. a fun song. Uh, I mean, there's already been lots of genre hopping and swapping, but this is potentially the most sort of distant from what the Manics are known for. Uh, it's got um, that sort of loungy vibe as well that Black Dog had a little bit with the strings. I don't know, it feels a little yeah, bit... Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, well, they're both sort of um, reminiscent of a time. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're both um, quite anachronistic sounds. Um, this one obviously just sounds very 1970s, whereas Black Dog had that like 50s orchestral, 60s orchestral pop sort of, uh, sort of sound. Um, I also like that the lyrics seem to be... Um, like an attack on how shit disco is or was and also overproduced pop music by relation and also on the kind of drug culture of the disco scene and it was brain, cool that i think going back to exactly and going back to that that situationist sort of ideal of using the form of something to critique it i think is very interesting and of course it's always good to see a scathing attack on 70s culture in 2001 <laughs> so it's not about a, that, it's not about, it's not about a woman then well it is but they use her as sort of like a um a conduit for the deeper meaning which is this idea that like overproduced pop music or, or specifically the disco scene of the 70s was so heavily involved with drugs that becoming involved with them would be the downfall of you if you it, see what i mean it might be about a woman but you can tell by the way i use my walk i'm a woman's man lucas can't you Keep keep making jokes like that. You're not going to be staying alive for very long. Thank you. <laughs> you just encouraged it. Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. Saturday Night Fever. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Adam, you, when you edit that episode, can, when you edit the episode, can you just make that pause, like <laughs> fifteen minutes, just a, yeah. just like a few beats too long. <laughs> And the great thing is, when people listen back to the episode now, they won't know if you have done that or not. I think you'll find this album's a few beats too long, Lucas. <laughs> this isn't one of them, though. This is the best bit of the album. Okay. Do we all universally agree on Miss Europa Disco Dancer? Yeah, of course we fucking do. It's a top-class banger, though. top-class banger. I mean, yes. uh, understandably, again, Manix fans, a lot of them hated it. They're wrong. They're not true fans, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. There we go. As far as <laughs> Lucas Way is concerned, you're not true Manix fans, and he would know about true Manix Well, have fans. any of you made a podcast about the Manix? Well, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Uh, Just slag off the listeners. Martyrs. <laughs>
Dead Martyrs. Laser gun sound effects. Pew! Pew! Me and Steve were doing the, the finger Boo. guns for the pews. Just another yeah. example of them kind of bringing in sounds that they haven't used before into uh, what is a pretty rocking song. Yeah, that's a contender for my favourite track. Oh. But it is not my favourite oh, track. Okay, okay. I, I guessed that your favourite track would maybe be My Guernica, um, something which I find almost to be interchangeable with Dead Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Lucas, your thoughts? I assume you. this is one of your boring rock songs. Yeah, boring rock song. No, there's so much interesting stuff going on in there. The chorus melody is great, and it's just a fucking car crash ending. I love that. It just yeah, ends the- like a mess. Yeah, which is very, like very brand new, mess. as in a band that I like brand new, mm. like to do that a lot, where it just kind of goes <laughs> at the end of this great. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, um, it's not and- terrible. Ooh. I'd like it more if it was like a one minute 45 quick jam, I think. Ooh. I mean, that chorus is so good, but there's so much interesting stuff, especially on the bass, Lucas. Like, I'm surprised you didn't notice all the little uh, changes up in the bass sort of stuff where there's very heavy fuzz on it to the point where it almost sounds like a synth bass. And then halfway through the first verse, it goes an octave up. Which kind of gives this like real like, it really elevates the song before it gets to the pre-chorus and obviously the best bit of the whole album, which is the pew, pew. Uh, In the final, (laughs) like when it does the chorus later on in the song, where it changes it up slightly, pew. (laughs) I'm not listening anymore, Lucas. What? Pew. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Just relent. So that we can get back on with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the the chorus changes up slightly for like the last chorus or something. It I does, think. yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, in my what it, what it what it is is that they just layer so many guitars on it that right. you hear a different riff every time. In my head, after the "Got No Future," I yeah. hear a "Whoa," and I don't okay. know why. What? I don't know. That, Okay. Well, that, I, God that may no well be in future. I don't know why. Oh, but it's not on the recording. No, no. But I, in, uh, like, I imagine it to be a song that would do that. Interesting. To the kids in America. Oh, well, whoa. yeah, like that sort of thing. Yeah, loads, loads. <laughs> of, I mean, plenty of bands America. have put woes in songs. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, not to good effect. I'll tell you what is a good effect. Pew 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 pew. pew. <laughs> Oh, Let's God. do a quick genre check, guys. Okay. Because this is something that I love about this album. We're nine tracks into it, and we've kind of had nine different genres already. Mm. So we've got the first song, Found That Soul, which is like a simple kind of retro punk song. Then we've got an acoustic pop song. Then we've got a very messy art rock song. Then we've got a chamber pop song. Then a folk rock song. Then we've got like rem jangle kind of stuff then we've got gritty post-punk then we've got disco and now we're on modern rock and to at the point of your in your career when you're six albums in to be that willfully experimenting and not just release an album that sounds completely different to anything you've released before but also have the first nine tracks on that album sound completely different to each other Mm. is quite an impressive piece of work i think i wouldn't say intravenous agnostic and this song are particularly different they are probably the most similar but um dead martyrs is much neater than intravenous agnostic and my guernica which is yet to come is another one that's just yeah well i mean this this kind of kicks off the second half of the album which isn't as wild a journey as the first half Mm. 
the the second half of this album kind of settles into a tone and a pace now and i think that we find that with a lot of the manix albums haven't we that they're quite front loaded yeah yeah certainly yeah. this is my truth big time um but to be honest this second half i still really like it there's only one song in this album that i think given the, the opportunity i'd replace with a b-side or get rid of mm. um his last painting is the next song okay and what a pleasant song. So, I mean, uh, the first half of the album are uh, kind of experiments in genre. And the second half of the album seems to be a, a set genre. They're all kind of of a tone and piece. But yeah. experiments in arrangement and structure. This song doesn't have a chorus. Yeah. Um, it, goes, it alternates between the verse and something that feels like a bridge and never actually gets to a chorus. Maybe that's why I didn't respond to it much. Because so I, I love a chorus and I love a hook. Cause I'm you a pleb. do. You love a hook. Don't bore us, get to the chorus. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I like it. Uh, I, again, I don't surprisingly dislike enough. it. Surprisingly enough. Like <laughs> I've written down here, it's perfectly pleasant, which is what you said before we started playing it just then. And I'm more than happy to like just sit in whatever vibe they set up for me, to be yeah. honest. The bass like, tone's nasty, which is good. The bass tone a good is nasty. Way. It's got a great solo. In a good which way. Which is very low. Yeah. I just, Lucas, I'm fine. assuming this is another one of your nothing rocks. My notes for this say one word. Shrug. 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 Mm. Get rid of it. Did, didn't evoke any feeling in you at all. Get rid of it. Mm. Get used to me saying that about the second half of this album. What, shrug? <laughs> shrug and get rid of it. Isn't that how Sean Connery says rug? What? <laughs> no. Where would the sh come from? No, it does. That's how, that's how Sean Connery speaks. Is that how, is that how Sean Connery speaks? He just puts... It's <laughs> under my shrug. Under my shrug. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, what, what, mind. Time, uh, what time uh, is Sean Connery due to go to Wimbledon? Uh, half past nine. Half past nine. <laughs> or tennis. Tennis. Yeah. <laughs> best yes. joke ever written. Oh god. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's nice. But wouldn't he nice say Shenish? Yeah, she. I'm going to play Shenish. Yes, yeah. that's exactly how he'd say it. Lucas is dead inside again. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait until we're back in the room with Lucas and he can't, like, just switch off. Yeah. <laughs> I can. Because we're right next I to him. I absolutely can. 
Oh, God. oh something yeah. I've realised, but from not being in the same room that we haven't been doing, is Adam's tat corner. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's yeah. very difficult. It's very difficult to do. Um... It's not. You could show us it on camera, well, couldn't you? I don't remember it being called the tat corner. Although but, it's called uh... st- shit Adam wasted his money on corner. Wasn't no, it's it? called that the tat it, corner. Yeah. And ways the manic store has fucked me, I yeah, believe. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the subtitle. Um, look, I, I think that this works as like a nice little palate cleanser for what it, is going to be like the the epicness kind of like of the uh, of the second half of, of this album. And this has Whose last painting? Uh well his his last painting. Uh, it's it, you know, it seems Who? to be about someone um being at the end of their creative life. Cool. In some way. Um but there's lots of lyrics on this one that that I like and, and one and like uh is it's not my life anymore. Don't speak the truth anymore. All of the hope and the dreams ripped right open at the seams. That's very nice. That's very evocative. Seems like I've lost myself to everybody and everything else. Kind of talking about the uh, maybe the relationship between a creative person and the things they create. You know, once you've released something, it becomes other people's. So you could put, you know, work into something that's very personal like James did with Ocean Spray, maybe. And then when Ocean Spray gets to me, I have a completely different personal attachment to that song. Mm. Um, I like the lyrics a lot on this song, and I'm quite happy to sit in that, as Steve said, very pleasant tone. Yeah. Who is pleasant tone? Because he sounds nice. (laughs) Does he? He sounds like a right dickhead. Really? You yeah. think it's like an ironic nickname? Yeah, yeah. He's a- Steve, I think this next one is your favourite song on the album. Okay. My Guernica. Mm. <laughs> Is that your favourite song on the album? Yes, yes it is. Ah, I've got you pegged. I said... Uh, I've oh, been stop. pegging you for years. Stop pegging me! <laughs> um, you, I said to you it's between two songs and um, that wasn't... Well, that wasn't including uh, Dead Martyrs, to be fair. And you said, oh, I bet it's... What did you say? My between Gannic. this and the first Oh, Found um, That's All. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is, well, at the time, was correct. Yes, you were correct oh. on both songs. Yeah, boy! What a little slice of chaos this song is. 
It's really nice. I yeah. I, I love the chorus in this one. Yeah, really good I've chorus. Been, like, really like to myself. Horrible, little girl, girl. Just, yeah, horrible dirty guitar tones as yeah. well. And the sound of the drums is horrible. Yeah. Really distorted and lo-fi and kind of just, uh, yeah, just uh, chaotic, which is then in turn sort of like the songs are about kind of feeling insignificant about uh, amongst sort of chaos. That's what the lyrics are about in this song. Lucas, I'm assuming you're going to get rid of it? Get rid of it. Guernica is a a famous Picasso painting that was uh, particularly chaotic as well, right? Yeah, uh, because it's p- the subject of the painting is uh, a town called Guernica um, that was bombed by Nazi Germany and fascist Italy during the Spanish Civil War in 1937. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, mm. the painting displays humans and animals suffering due to violence and chaos. Can yeah. I uh, reveal my ignorance as yeah. to the, the, the world and general history yeah, sure. You've mentioned the Spanish Civil War a number of times on a number of episodes. Yeah. When was that, and what was the deal? It was in. Well, we 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 did that. <laughs> no, no, you probably talked about it, and I probably pretended to know that it was. No, a real no, no. Thing. I, I I literally went through the history of the Spanish Civil War on, <sighs> on the episode. Probably so. Tolerate this. Was it, was it the Holy Bible? Yeah. No, it's on. If you tolerate this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, like I remember you saying with the tolerate this that people would go out and. It was an uprising against fascism in Spain in the late 1930s, pre-World War II. Um, so, um, but 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 the Manics have a very sort of like personal connection with it because um, Welsh um, people would go over and fight. Yeah, I remember, yeah, of I remember that bit. Yeah. I remember that bit. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this song, and I love it. Guernica's a uh, name of a track. That I love by brand new as well. Oh, there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, what what is it you're not responding to here, Lucas? Do you think like I there the, must be something that you like about it? I reckon the song. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I wrote this song has good ingredients, but it doesn't make a good cake. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, there's no reason I should dislike it, but but put it in the bin. Do you, do wow. you think that the um, the production choices of this album are getting in the way for you? Uh, I don't. I don't strike myself as someone who would notice that sort of thing. Well, do you listen to like a lot of lo-fi music? Because because from the things that you have like said about the music that you like and the albums by the Manics that you've liked, they're very produced. So when you, you say lo-fi, very, yeah, okay. Because when I think of lo-fi, I think of um, like lo-fi as in meaning like uh, beats. Like lo-fi is like a genre of music. Oh god, what to study slash relax to? Yeah, you know it. I listen to loads of that shit. <laughs> lo-fi, to, lo-fi, to lo-fi me is like white... L-O-F-I. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, like well, the white mean, it literally means low fidelity. Yeah, yeah. Like white stripes. Well, I love a little like bit of lo-fi music to study to. Like that's my shit. Do you like the White Stripes? Uh, mm, no, don't rate. They're fine. They've got some good songs. Yeah. See, I just I, I think pref- it, I preferred the Raconteurs, and I bet they're less lo-fi. Um, they are less lo-fi than the White Stripes. There yeah, but you'd struggle to be less lo-fi than the White Stripes. Maybe. Well, because they they've got one musician and a person who's just hitting some drums. Yeah. 
She's not going to how all bands should be Don't described. Don't dismeg. Manic oh, Street Preachers oh, has dismeg. two musicians and someone who hits some drums. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible, uh, maybe, maybe, especially maybe, to Sean, who writes a lot of these songs. Maybe so. I don't like lo-fi music, but I'm trying to think of other examples of like. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to the bands that you kind of use as points of reference, I know we've joked about it before, but a lot of them are like very well produced. You know, like even Idlewild, like everything is very kind of clean and and, and Muse, obviously very well produced albums. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, that's one hour but then you... and 40 ish for the first Muse reference. No, it's not. We talked about MK Ultra. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah. But I didn't <laughs> say their name. I said the band that won't be named. Right, okay. Uh, okay. Also, uh, but I don't know. Like, I like Nirvana. Are they, they're low, they're, you know, kind of grungy. The story of that is similar to being lo fi. Yeah, kind of, actually. Yeah, I suppose so. But then that kind of, um, that sort of, wasn't by choice you know they, they were produced by like steve albini who who will come into the manics later um who is very famous for just kind of setting up and recording what a band sounds like and that's what they sounded like whereas a, a lot of the the reference points you've had are, are things that like you know that have strings and stuff that wouldn't be on like demos and this sounds like a collection of kind of demos well i also if you remember thought the new art riot ep was shit that's very lo-fi yeah the new art right ep yeah mm. maybe you just don't get on with lo-fi music and that might be a barrier to this album for you but then also uh, but- like i don't rate that i just don't rate them it musically i'm just like yeah it's just another rocky insert joke about boxing <laughs> it's just another rocky <laughs> song that like just interchange it with dead martyrs and that other one i don't know there's a lot of cool riffs going ocean on. spray no. <laughs> Sorry, you're starting to annoy me now. <laughs> There's a lot of cool like riffs and guitar parts going on all over this album, I think, for me personally. Also, I like the bit where James picks up the phone halfway through. What? You, yeah, there's listen. a little, hello. Listen, listen, listen. You think the song's ended? Hello? And then it goes back into this like odd extended Hello. ending. I just love shit like that, man. Yeah. I like people like just exploring stuff in the studio in that, that kind of lo fi sound. How do you feel about um Held of the Thief by Radiohead, Lucas? Uh I would say that as one of my lesser known Radiohead yeah. albums. No, oh, it's not no lesser okay. known. Uh despite the fact that I really like Radiohead, I'm also a bit of a Radiohead plebman in the Oh really? I ha- there's 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 whole albums I've never touched. Well, maybe one day we will have a conversation about Radiohead, and maybe maybe we'll record it. Maybe we'll talk mm. about it for weeks and months and months on end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, can you imagine doing this for? I mean, it would be a year for the Mannix. Can you imagine doing it longer than that? Well, anyway. Would Radiohead be longer? Have they got more albums than the Mannix? No, no, they haven't. They've got. Um, what are they on their ninth album right now? There you go. Mm. Interesting little tidbit. Mm. The Convalescent.
Lovely Labradors outnumber musicians. Yeah, great. They do. They should. They should. Yeah. They should outnumber all things. Yes. A there lot be... of cool and interesting stuff going on in this song. This song also references Picasso and Spain, like the last track. It does. There's actually a lot of references to art on this album. A l- and teletext. General. Yeah. And, and, and art and teletext. And Ryan Warner's tasted it ass. Brian Warner is has Marilyn a tasty Manson. little ass. Yeah, that's Marilyn Manson, isn't it, Brian Warner? This uh, is again, where um, it properly loses it for me from this track onwards. Oh, really? Yeah. You, well, you see, you properly lose it for you like you've been declining, but you've just had your favourite song on the album. Yeah, and now... I see. Yeah. This one's better than <laughs> this one's better than the last two or three bits of, of, bits of shit, yeah. <laughs> Go on, what, what are you responding to in this one that you went in the last one? That's better, isn't it? It's got more of a Keep going. The organ. Yeah, the I organ think, sound, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe. I also just really little... like, I just love the way that uh, he says, tasted it alas. He puts yeah, a little, yeah, he puts yeah. a little bit of, a bit of spice behind his words when he says Well, it. he's doing that a lot on this album in general. Like, he's a great singer and a lot of the time he's choosing not to sing that well. He's kind of grunting or he's got a kind of bit of a drawl going on or he's making his voice seem a little bit rougher. Um, this is one of the like sprawling epics of the album. Uh, I mean, a million references, dense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's this was the Holy Bible, long. you would have gone through every single reference in order because you did that with the songs in the Holy Bible. All right, you ready? No, so, God, uh, Goya, why did I say it? <laughs> Goya and Picasso, they're both Spanish painters. Um, Bonnie and Clyde are the infamous bank robbing couple. Uh, there's that line that I never understood what he said until just recently. Both of you get off your phones. Sorry? Carry on. <laughs> I was just... <laughs> Absolutely busted. I was replying to an important text. Mm, I wasn't. I was on Twitter. It was about. It was about my dinner. You were on Twitter. No, that is bad. I was replying <laughs> at least about my dinner, which is being made for me downstairs as we speak, and it was important. Pity poor Payne Stewart in a death bubble. He was an American <laughs> golfer who died when a plane cabin depressurized, so he was just flying along, already dead. Um, I can't. I That's don't quite know how to sad this. and Haley. Haley Gabrielesi, Ethiopian long-distance runner. Jack Kevorkian was a doctor in favour of euthanasia. Brian Warner, as we've said, is Marilyn Manson. Alberto Juan Tarino was a Cuban tra- track athlete in the 70s. little mention there for Klaus Kinski and Werner Herzog. Um, uh, Klaus Kinski is an actor who had a very tumultuous but creative relationship with Herzog. Lots of rumours about them sort of like bringing guns to the set and stuff like that. If you've never watched a Werner Herzog film, why? then why would you they, why would they do that? should. Because they hated each other. Oh, each other. Not, not bringing guns to set. They mean because of each other. Yeah, they hated each other because Werner Herzog would... Um, I can see you looking at your phone, Steve. Uh, Werner... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Werner Herzog would like push Klaus Kinski for his his performances. Um, yeah, there's a very famous uh, film called Fitzcarraldo where um, it's about a guy who lifted uh, a boat over a mountain, and in order to film that, Werner Herzog made all of the actors actually do it. <laughs> um, Does Werner Herzog should... have a tasty little ass? Uh, apparently so. Srebrenica, hmm. cousin of Treblinka. So Srebrenica uh, is a town where there was a massacre of 8,000 people as part of the Bosnian War in July 1995, which was perpetrated by the Bosnian Serb army. Treblinka was a Nazi extermination camp in occupied Poland. So they're kind of drawing the uh, parallel there between two examples of uh, mass extermination. And there's also a reference there to Dante's Inferno, which is a 14th century epic poem by Dante, uh, in which the narrator descends through the levels of hell. I really like this song. It's a contender for my favourite on the album. It just gets messier and messier and messier as it goes. And it's just this, yeah, like I said, it's this sprawling sort of epic but I do think you have to kind of look beyond the genre in which they've tied it to in order to kind of yeah, find much in it. Do you know what I mean? Look for the context. Yeah, you do have to look for the context. But also I think it's um, it's another experimentation as well in sort of um, structure and arrangement. The fact that the chorus is the quietest bit in the song and the verses are the bit that are like the full throttle breakneck pace kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. It's all right. Well, no, but that, that is a praise compared to the last few yeah. tracks and yeah. sure. and the next few. Um, it's all right. I mean, you know... Uh, I appreciate the content it? of the song is, is probably very interesting, and it is. What is I it just... that makes the, the tone of these songs less interesting than than other bands that you guys like, do you think? I'm not really comparing it to other bands, though. I know Lucas is. No, I'm. I, 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 no, I only compare to other bands when I'm scoring. Then okay. it's a fucking minefield. I'm just listening to it as an album, as a piece. Because and... I know that there's a there's a lot of fans of like um, of Foo Fighters, and you could definitely level the argument at them that obviously a lot of their music sounds the same. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think. Well, I mean, I'm sure there are people who are like uh, adore the Foo Fighters, but like mm. I like the Foo Fighters, but like I like the Foo Fighters, and like I quite like to see them live one day. But I also won't pay sixty quid to do it. I'll, I'll, but if they're playing at a festival, I definitely like to see the Foo Fighters, but so, not like. So, so I guess that's my question: because is is that what is it about the Foo Fighters' music, which is in a similar tone and genre to the music we're listening to now, where you go, oh, I quite like that. That, but it, you know, even though it's the same tone and genre, it makes you say that these songs are shit. But I probably would. I don't listen. I wouldn't say I, I listened. I would even listen to an entire Foo Fighters album, right? So I wouldn't hear enough of it to get bored of it. If you know what I mean, like three songs. I don't know. What well, you mean. You know, I'm, I'm saying that like My Guernica and Dead Martyrs and whatever the other one was. I'm just saying interchangeable. Yeah, I, I don't know what point I'm making anymore. <laughs> I just find compared to how weird the first half was now, just for me, in contrast to that which is their own doing, I guess. These last several songs, to me, are just a bit... Huh. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to search a bit uh, a bit heavier for, for the for the weirdness. Like, it's all, like, about kind of structure and, like, those very odd guitar tones. I mean, on, on the song that's just coming up next, there's some very weird guitar sounds on it. 
Correspondent is probably the song that I would get rid of or swap for a B-side. Yeah, I nothing this. Although it is a change of pace. It is a nice yeah. change of pace, but Definitely unfortunately it's not to something that I think is particularly great. Yeah. <laughs> You've changed the pace, but this pace is still shit. Yeah. No, it's not <laughs> shit. It's not shit. This one's like this one's fine, but Yeah. But I would also but I would also get rid. It just does nothing for me. I like a lot of the guitar sounds. Yeah. And I also appreciate the sentiment of the lyrics. Yeah, it's really quite negative. Yeah, but I don't actually really like the lyrics, I don't think. I think it's too specific and obvious in a way that doesn't fit with the rest of the album. Is it slagging off the royal family or people who are, are very jingoistic and... and Both. Is it the lot? It's just Specifically lot. through the lens of the royal correspondent, who at the time would have been Jenny Bond, who used to like big up her connection to the royal family and say that she knew a lot of them personally and stuff like that. And you'd love the chance to eat their food even though it's been chewed. Mm, yeah. Royal correspondent, sad and lonely. Dreamer of the Daily Mail. It is the Holy Grail. Mm. It's fine. Yeah. It's going to be interesting in like, I don't know, 40 years' time. Like, will anyone give a shit about the royal family? I don't give a shit now. No, that's what I mean. But like, as in the as in what I mean is the people that do give a shit will be dead. Apart from obviously that very interesting section around 1997 that I'm very interested in. Is that when that uh, that that person got murdered? That thing happened. That thing <laughs> yeah. happened that we shouldn't talk about. You mean you mean like the, the, when on the a previous episode when you said when Princess Diana was died mm. on Mike? I think I meant to say Princess died. Oh, good. Right. Um, yeah, it's just going to say I'm completely on tangential to actually talk about the song, but it's going to be interesting, isn't it, when like all the old people that give a shit about the royal family are dead. Who's going to give a shit? Americans. Mm. Mm. Yeah, maybe. It, it's definitely like a uh, a thing that a lot of people outside of the UK care about more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's fine I'd probably get rid of it and replace it with uh, something like um, maybe masking tape or something like that Miss Your Disco Dancer just again just again just have it again yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely or repeat Stars and Stripes oh sure. boy now I've not Are mentioned I've not mentioned that one in a while but I thought about it the other day and was like it belongs on every album ever written does it <laughs> every album ever written yeah 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 Sure. 
Look, it's some interesting guitar sounds and stuff, and sonically, I quite like it. But there's just something about it that doesn't vibe with me. Yeah, I feel like the last all the, the last two or three albums have all had at least one song that we have all universally nothinged. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next one is like uh, another, uh, you know, the next like the other sprawling epic of a song. Um, this is Epicenter. Epic Center. Another very like six and a half minutes. Although we'll get on to why in a second. Hmm. Probably one of my favourites on the album again. Really, it's kind of twinned with the convalescent in terms of like scale and scope. And again, very a very ex- experimental arrangement and structure. In that you can't really define which bit the chorus is, and there's a lot of very interesting guitar work going on for me. And the bass in what I would term is the bridge section is almost like got some like jazz kind of bass going on. What do you guys think? It doesn't do a lot for me again, I'm afraid. I like the outro, which I think is a bit you're going to talk about. That's yeah. a diff- it's a different song, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. I just, I just, I found it again just from these songs onwards, just a bit of a slog for me personally. I mean, um, I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's six twenty-five, six twenty-six, but the main song, the main song of Epicenter, is still five minutes long, and it's. Uh, yeah. I, I just wrote way too long to be this dull. Um. Okay. Obviously, I I kind of uh, disagree with you. Oh, but you're wrong though. Yeah. Because <laughs> me, because me and Steve are two people, and you're only one. I just think that like to have two that nil. many kind of sections and pieces two in nil. a song. And still make um, like the melodies that good throughout the whole song. Like there's three very distinct parts, and all of them have really great melodies, mm. and the lyrics are very good. For me, yeah. What do you guys think of the lyrics? Uh, be- I didn't. 
really read into these ones much because I I didn't find the song particularly interesting to yeah, want to really dive into it. To that be was me, and in fact, I'll admit when I did my notes. I got halfway through the song and was like, yeah, I'm not going to write anything else about this song. I'm just going to go to the next one <laughs> because I'm bored. <laughs> right. Okay. Adam is turning purple. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Don't worry, Adam. I did listen to the song a number of times, but just when it came to doing notes, I was like, ah, oh, <clears throat> moving on, moving on. Because mm. I was bored. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah. Talk about the lyrics. Put the knife away. Let's listen to the outro section of uh, the thing, which is actually a B-side that has been affected and looped. Um, the actual song doesn't sound anything like this. Just sort of does that for about a minute. Uh, a very interesting thing to include. I'm not entirely sure why. I like it Other more than, than the rest that. of the song. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. saying happy birthday. It, it, no, is, happy is, it not saying, is it not saying happy birthday, Mr. Osama? Happy... Because <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Happy black days. <laughs> Isn't it? It's happy black, happy black days. Happy black days, here's the summer. Yeah. Oh. It's from a B-side called Masking Tape. Cool. Oh. Um, oh, I like just, that more again, than the song. Like, yeah, more I like that little bit. sort of like experimental sort of stuff. Yeah, but would you like that if it was four minutes long and just did that? No. Oh, no. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, that's it's cool. kind of those, like it's those production choices, isn't it, that you're responding to and where, where to edit and when to edit. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So um, obviously they did a gig in, in Cuba and met Fidel Castro and, and this is the strongest Cuban connection on the record. This next one is called uh, Baby Eliane. Really sorry, Adam. Mm. I cannot put into better words 
why I'm just bored at this point. I, I, it's weird that me and you are on the same page, Lucas. Uh, and I'm, I'm very just, sorry, Adam. Really? But I'm sorry, and, and we're trying to work out why and analyse it. But yeah, I'm just bored. Interesting. I just, just I'm not I responding. Just, I just well. don't care about this. Song. I thought it was Baby Eileen. <laughs> right. Well, okay. this, that song by Dexy's Midnight Runners. <laughs> well, no, this this song's a pre. It's a prequel, isn't it? It's Baby Eileen, and then they and grow then, up to be the Eileen right. of the song. But then, then, but they're in a different order. Steve, didn't more your time traveling? Didn't your stuff, band didn't cover that song back in the day? Uh, no. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I feel like you covered it, but obviously uh, not. No. Uh, uh, how about chat. how about the lyrics though? Uh, I like he actually does say Peter Pan in the song, and there was that other song does, that I yeah. thought he said Peter Pan, and he didn't. <laughs> Which is a reference to Operation Peter Pan. Do you, do you know what that is? Uh, nah, Peter is it an Pan. operation to slow aging? <laughs> Total guess. To make humans fly. Well, no, they're obviously. Oh, it was yeah. actually to make humans fly. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Operation oh. Peter Pan was a CIA scheme in which Cuban parents gave up their children for adoption in Miami due to pro- uh, due to propaganda that tricked them into thinking the Cuban government were about to send them to the Soviet Union. Wow. So Ooh. this is a song that is very connected to Cuba. Um, the opening line is blockades won't win you more votes, which is the reference to the embargo of Cuba, which has been in place since the 1960s. Then it says a Cuban Adjustment Act, which is the US act that makes it easier for Cubans to become permanent residents um, than any other country you would potentially emigrate to the US from, which is seen as encouragement for Cubans to leave Cuba, which is why the song calls it blackmail. And I mean, this all comes from um, this all come. The U.S. sentiment towards Cuba comes from the Cuban Revolution, which was led by Fidel Castro, who we've mentioned a few times, and began in 1953 uh, against the military dictatorship of President Fulgencio Batista. Um, continued sporadically until the rebels ousted Batista in 1958. If you've seen The Godfather Part Two, uh, you'll know that it was on uh, New Year's Eve. I've seen half um, of it. Great. I've only seen the first. I've only seen the first. Uh, they replaced the government with a revolutionary socialist state, although reformed uh, along communist lines in 1965, and became the Communist Party. And it was a huge turning point in Cuba-U.S. relations, as the U.S. feared that that kind of uprising would uh, happen in Latin America, and also then Cuba resented the fact that the U.S. provided aid to the general, um, the, sorry, the president that they were. Uh, overthrowing so the u.s spent decades trying to undermine um cuba and trying to oust castro trying to assassinate him and there's numerous references to this in the lyrics um we've talked about the embargo we've talked about operation peter pan we talked about the cuban adjustment act being seen as blackmail um in the chorus Excuse me. He mentions the Bay, uh, the Bay of Pigs, which is the site of a failed CIA-sponsored invasion of Cuba in 1961. Um, they talk about the Miami mob, who um, were offered large sums of money by the CIA to help with uh, killing Fidel Castro. Um, the motivation being that the mafia had lots of casinos in there. In, in Cuba before the revolution, which had now been shut down by the new socialist state. Um, but do, do either of you know about the baby Eliane case? No, nothing. Not a Otherwise, sausage. Because I thought it was baby Eileen. 
<laughs> Elian Gonzalez was um, a small child. He was six at the time of the of the famous uh, Elian Gonzalez affair. Um, born in Cuba, um, and his mother tried to escape Cuba with her boyfriend and baby Elian. Uh, she sadly drowned on their way to the US. Mm. Um, and then the baby, baby Elian, became embroiled in this controversy between Cuba and the USA, specifically kind of regarding custody and immigration. Um, the US placed Elian Gonzalez with paternal relatives in Miami, um, but the father demanded that he be returned to Cuba which kind of sparked this whole controversy around Cuba-US relations. And in the end, um, it was decided that the child would be taken back to Cuba and the child was removed from the paternal relatives in Miami at gunpoint wow. um, in order to be taken back to Cuba. Um, I mean, the, 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 the Cuba-US relation problems went on for decades and decades and decades, like loads of propaganda and embargo and it wasn't until like the mid not until recently like the mid 2010s where there was like a healthier relationship kind of coming in they opened say, the it's, u.s embassy it's in, still in, in not Havana. like great as far well as it I was it, it was it was getting better and then trump reversed a lot of obama's policies on it and restricted travel and tightened the embargo so it's sort of gone back to square one now hmm. is he a um, bad guy i think he's he a dick. i think he might be a dickhead Huh. So that's the kind of context for this song. I like that it's led by like an acoustic guitar. I think this probably should have been a single. Um, either that or Epicenter, actually. Epicenter would have been a good single. Uh, what are your, you guys just both nothing it? How about just, now with, yeah. the, with the context? Oh, the context mind? is cool. Like, that's some heavy shit. And yeah, that's great. And I, I again, I respect that it's dealing with those subjects, but I still just can't. Yeah, bring it's... myself to really mm. get into it still it's like I think at this point I was just lost I was just a bit lost I think do you think the length has anything to do with I think I was fatigued at this point yeah 100% yeah. But which is a shame when I'm, when I'm casually listening to this I almost never listen to it in one go Right. I have been I doing will... that a lot though because I've been doing a lot of DIY about the house of late mm. and I've been making a point to listen to this album so I've got all the way through it a number of times and but I've also as much as you hate are buying it on on shuffle sure sure which actually i think is good for this awful. podcast because yeah, you're not sure, having the awful. problem of fatigue yeah you're really each awful. song yeah in it no i agree yeah well, really it's, awful. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah oh yeah absolutely despicable. if you're talking about yeah. fatigue well oh, I've yeah, been it's get, like a war crime i've yeah. been getting them on on <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh it's like some of the songs of the holy bible where the story of the song or the, the subject matter and you telling me that story is more interesting to me than the song than the yeah. songwriter. So like, yeah. like yeah. the stuff about, you know, a lot of the stuff with um, Richie's lyrics where the, the bleak, bleak, horrible lyrics and reading and hearing about that is more interesting than the song to me. Fair enough. Which the song Fair is enough. just like, whatevs. What about this next one though? Because it's a little banger. We'll, we'll get to that when we get to it, won't we? i 
love to kiss the Dalai Lama's ass. <laughs> so glad the album ends on a fucking we banger. Yeah. So you like three that minute, one. Three minute long. It's good. It's bang. It's um, very interesting. It's what song. that tells me, actually, about the ones that you don't like, is that you're not a big fan of complexity. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, though. <laughs> even though I like it, and it's quite a nice little snappy three minute long rock song, I think as a as a albumender, nah. It's a bit of a damp sort of squib, but as yeah. as a as an album ender, oh, I think isn't it's a better album yeah. than the last one. Uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and what yeah. and what ended? Everything must go. No service or feelings, so you can fuck off. Uh, yeah, I seem yeah. to remember I didn't rate that that particularly. Oh, you can fuck off. So. You can absolutely fuck off. So. No, yeah, this one's um, good. This one sounds like you I really too. like it. Sounds like you too. Uh, what me and Steve? Yeah, was that? How does it sound? It like sounds like too? me and Steve. This this song sounds like us two. There's some great classic uh, Mannix lines in there. So we protest about human rights, worship obesity as our birthright. That's cool. Very Mannix. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just like Stalin, human and useless. (laughs) Bomb the Chinese embassy. Do you not agree it sounds like U2 then? Do you not agree that it sounds like the band U2? Yes. The band I I think it sounds like acting error, uh, acting baby error. Uh, you too, a little bit. Good, I'm glad someone agrees. There's a guest guitarist on this track, which is Kevin Shields. Is it the Edge? My oh, bloody Valentine. Oh. Oh. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that is interesting that you that you like that one more than sort of like anything else of the second half of the album because that is the most simple, basic yeah. sort of song on there. I think it was just a pick me up. And I think what it is is that you you guys are confused by anything that's interesting, and <laughs> and that's a real shame actually. Yeah, but yeah. Dead Martyrs that, that is... and like Mike Ernica are fairly like upbeat, rocky ones. And but yeah, but just they not... have interest. They have more interesting structures, and they have riffs. This is literally just sort of chords being strummed uh, to a four four beat. Well, I but me and Steve love riffs, and yet we aren't, and yet we're responding to this song better than the riffy songs. Um, I really like it, and of course, you say it's like a weird closer. It's not actually really the closer of the album because there is a hidden track. Um, oh, is that our 17th track? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a oh, bonus okay. track, but Spotify doesn't have the bonus track on it for some stupid reason. Yeah. yeah Spotify really much. fucked this album up. Yeah, Spotify did a the bad job. The artwork looks Artworks wrong and all the neon. Bit of the, yeah. yeah. Spotify did nearly as bad a job with this album as the band did making it. okay well let's listen to this cover are we done with that Um, song then because i'm sad because we didn't give much time to one of the songs we actually liked but but also it's pretty like light wait it's not as interesting to me as anything else on the second half Mm. which is obviously why you guys like it because you hate nuance and anything that's interesting so Uh, (laughs) sucks is that why i hate you you. is that why i hate you (laughs) Because I'm nuanced and have interesting things to say. Yeah. Yes, I imagine so. But then why do I hate uh, Steve? Because he's really basic. Hello. Oh, Steve, what basic little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do you, what do you know about the hidden track? Do you know anything? Do you know that it's a cover? I know it's a cover. No. It's a Didn't cover of, of McCarthy, uh, the band um, that we mentioned earlier. So let's yes. have a little listen to it.
We are all bourgeois now, originally by McCarthy, here covered by Manic Street Preachers. Mm. Do you like my little radio-esque uh, yeah. outro to that song? It's good, I enjoyed it? that. <laughs> what do you think of the song, though? Um, yeah, it's perfectly fine and nice. It's it jangly. is nice. It's jangly. Lyrically, I think it's the sort of thing I would, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they had written it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they took they yeah. they took a lot of um, a lot of inspiration from McCarthy. I really like the lyrics in this one. Actually, it tells a story. If you want to go and um, you want to go and read it, it's literally like a narrative of someone walking through a town. Oh, cool! Um, but it fits in thematically with the um, with the album as well. It's kind of about uh, class and you know class war and poverty and money and uh, capitalism and stuff like that. It's very manix. It's also a different tone for them again not something they'd really done um it's a very good cover it, it improves upon the original in my personal opinion mm. um and was released on lipstick traces their uh their b-side so they recorded 16 songs and then thought let's have another song as a bonus well they recorded way more than 16 songs well yes and and they come out as b-sides for the singles but obviously this was intended as two yeah. albums so you've got you've oh, got yeah. to imagine yeah. that there's probably about 24 songs so is, there felt. is some parallels between this and um generation tourists definitely definitely um they're both kind of well they're both double albums they're both very long um and both they're both quite designed angry. to piss people off yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 designed to irritate people speaking yeah. of which let's do the scores and the favourites and least favourites and justifications for your idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> Who would like to go? Let's go with Lucas first because he always goes last. Lucas, what is your score? I don't fucking Do know. we need to talk about scores? Do we need to talk oh, about scores? Oh, God. Have we well, got time? We need to come up with the decision as to my ranking because we keep flip-flopping and flipping-flopping. Let me take you through the story of the scores so far. Oh, my God. You gave Generation Terrorists a five. Yeah. You gave Gold Against the Soul a six. Then you gave the Holy Bible a three. Yeah. But upon listening to it after you've heard the context, you gave it a four. Then you gave Everything Must Go an eight. Then you decided you want to change everything so everything is a score lower. So it would be four, five, three, seven, and then this is my truth with a six. But I don't think that those are actually representative of how you feel about those albums. Don't tell me. Everything what must go at a seven. Don't tell this me. This is my truth feel. at a six. Don't tell me what to feel. So I think your scores are actually five, six, four, <laughs> eight, seven. But let's talk about this album. Yeah, but we've done. But <laughs> but we've done this. The problem I have with that is the idea that I'm giving everything must go an eight, and I give I would give some of my most beloved albums, an eight. That's fine. Why can't Everything Must Go be one of your most beloved albums? Because it absolutely isn't. Right, but I mean, we also need to slightly normalise because you do rate low when compared to other people. uh, That's that's my right. That's my right as as an American. It's skewing (laughs) my data. Uh, I don't care about your data. What are you doing with your scores? I am going to go with the... One score lower version. So everything must go as a seven out of ten to you. An album that you very much enjoy. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm happy with that. So what are you giving this album? So 
I've given. So Fuck just to me. just to clarify, we are <laughs> no, now. No, just it's just a number. We are now. Number. We are now four, five, three, seven, six. Yeah. Yes. So this is a five fee. I think it's. A, I think it's. A, I think it's a four. Ooh. Okay. On par with Generation Terrorists. Yeah, I'd put this a, a below average. If five is my average, which I have long said is my is the case, I would say this album is below average because it's got a number of good songs, but even the ones that I think are good aren't as good as the songs I really like off other albums. Even the ones you think good. Even mm. the songs I like good, I think not as good God. as as likey goods from other albums. <laughs> likey goods. What are your favourite goods from this album? Miss Europa Disco Dancer. Sure. Times three. Okay. Now, Miss Europa Disco Dancer. Uh, year of Purification. Interesting. And That's fine. Two's fine. I Least always favorites. do three. But I like least my three. Favorites. Least favourites. I don't fucking know anything off the second half of the album. Whatever. It's all just nothing. Hmm. Great. Like, <laughs> uh, just fine. Okay. Okay. Oh, just going by purely by how little I've written about them. Epicenter and Baby Elian. You're a silly man. Um. <laughs> and I gave the album a four because it's below average. So you're average. giving it a four out of ten. Yeah, I think so. A four. Well... Mm-hmm. Uh, if, don't don't make it longer, Adam. If, if if five is an average album, which in my opinion is the case, because I hate the idea that a six or a seven means it's average. No, because that means anything below four is worthless this is, as data. This is the best. That that an average is a five. <laughs> the right? thing he's most bang, passionate about bang, the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Is what people dictate to be an bang average. average is fifty percent. Is is it's why scores on exams annoy me. <laughs> okay. Okay, tell us more about it why well oh my on God. exams. It well annoys me. It well annoys me that to get a to get a first at uni, you have to get above seventy. Steve, you can shoot off if you want, and then I'll record your scores <laughs> separately. Seventy is like it's closer to it's closer to fifty percent than it is to a hundred percent, and yet it's a first. <laughs> okay, it's a fucking first. It winds me right up. But it's because isn't it graded on like the bell curve? I don't give a shit. It annoys so me. If 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 you're in the top seventy percent sort of thing, then you're no the top thirty percent. Um, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, if you're in the top thirty percent, then you're at a certain level. I don't know. Either way, I think this album is below average because I like less than half of the songs, and those that I do like, still none of them are like top tier manic songs. Like I think only two or maybe three songs off this album will make my playlist my manix playlist that i will ultimately make after finishing doing this podcast but then there are albums that like aren't great that you would give like two out of ten to like what i don't know britney spears well what, what would you give a britney spears album probably like instance? fucking two out of ten or something yeah i don't know but you think this is only twice as good as a britney spears album well that's a silly comparison isn't it why we're, we're rating all music we're rating against all music. Then maybe I'd give that Britney Spears album a one, or maybe right, I like, okay. or maybe I'd enjoy a Britney Spears album as much as this album. I mean, work, bitch, work, bitch, and toxic are two hot bangers. That's true. Look so, forward to the bonus episode on Britney Spears, obviously. Um, and it's going to be called "Do You." I haven't thought about the rest of the sentence. Comparatively, me, Lucas, what is another album that you would give four out of ten to? I remember, I don't listen to anyone near as yeah, much music fine. as you. That's fine. That's Can fine. we circle back? Do Steve. All right. 
Steve. Uh, five out of ten. My favourite song is My Guernica, and my least favourite song is What Phil Blues. Adam? Well, I need more favourites and more least favourites <laughs> from you. Um, my, yeah, so it, yeah, uh, I like Found That Soul, I like Mystery Road Podisco Dancer, I like Dead Martyrs, and I like My Guernica. So this is your least favourite Manics album so far? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I, um, and even then it's Lucas would call average, I guess. I don't dislike the album. I just um, it sounds like you do dislike. Yeah, it. I mean, if if you're giving it, a four, <laughs> I like if, half... you're give, if you're giving it a four, you're objectively saying you dislike more of it than you like. Yeah, but you I give it, it a five. five. Uh, all right. Yeah. So I like. Lucas has confused you with himself again. <laughs> yes, I like half the album and I dislike half the album. So, so therefore, five, it's five, five out, out of ten. ten. Yeah, I, I yeah. respect. I got so much time for that. I respect. All right. Okay, good. What do you think I'm going to give it? I think you're going to give it seven. Nine. Okay. Yeah, nine out of ten. Fucking hell. Mad. Yeah. This is well, but I don't forget I have that emotional context with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. This is, is yeah. a very special album for me personally. Yes. But I also think that creatively, this is kind of the manics at the peak of their powers, being willfully weird and obtuse, which I really like when bands are willfully weird and obtuse. I really like Kid A by Radiohead. Um, and this is a similar kind of, you know, within their sphere of the music they can make. This is them kind of experimenting. And I and I really like that. And I, I just, yeah, I'll quite happily listen to this album a lot. Um, as I said, I don't usually get through the whole thing in one go, to mm. be honest. I usually get through the first half and then I'll get through the second half later in the day. Um, my favourite tracks, apart from Ocean Spray, is, mm, they're pro- it's probably... Um, Epicenter and What's Phil Blues because they're both hot bangers and they're both very, very interesting. And my least favourite... I mean, I have one, which is Royal Correspondent, and I still think that's a song that I'll quite happily listen to. Yeah, it's on uh, a 9 out of 10 album for you, of course you do. Yeah. Um, So, Lucas, what's another album that you'd give a 4 out of 10 to? I've been trying to think and I can't think of anything. All right, well, we'll come back to that on the next episode because what they do after this is they release the greatest hits uh, of Manic Street Preachers and they release Lipstick Traces, which is a B-side compilation, which we're going to cover and will be an opportunity for us to look back at their career so far and really cement those ratings. I think maybe, it's mostly maybe going we'll, maybe to Maybe I'll be... readjust the ratings again. Yeah, of course I think you will. we need of to have a little, just, just a little readjust of those ratings. No, you, when you say a little readjust, you want me to raise every single score by at least one. Am I allowed I... to drink in that episode? Yes. Okay, I'm so going to come on steaming. Dr- you're allowed to drink in every episode. You're allowed to drink in all of them. I, oh, I just think that this is my truth. You liked it more than six out of ten. That's all I'm saying. Um, Here's please. the thing. Oh, no. <laughs> you say, what's an album that you would give a four out of ten? I wouldn't listen to an album I would give a four out of ten, I don't think. I don't listen to anywhere near as much music as you. And so I don't think I would ever put on an album that I consider a four out of ten. And so I can't really think of so any you never examples. So like, you never like try an album? No, not really. Mm. If I discover mm. an artist, I'm not one of those people who will then listen to their entire discography for better or for worse. Right. I don't like the new Arctic Monkeys album. I thought it was bad. So I won't listen to it. But the second it's one is still fantastic. It's interesting that you fantastic. say new. That's not new, is it? Be not. <laughs> um, whereas their second album is fantastic. Hmm. We'd actually sort of started wrapping up there. Uh, yeah, the Lucas thought two hours 40 wasn't wait, long enough. Wait, 
I missed the rap on this album. Where's that would that? have been brilliant. Do we need to put put it back on? Nicky Wire rap. Adams. You can reach us on Twitter <laughs> at Manix Podcast, and you can reach us on Instagram at Manix Podcast, and you can email us uh, Manix Podcast at gmail dot com. Thank you all so much for listening. Short episode again this, uh, this week. Yeah, Sorry, we'll crazy. make it up. We'll make it up to you next time. And just remember that um, we live in urban hell and we destroy rock and roll. Harmonise with me. I'm right here. Four out of ten. Oh, four out of ten. Bye. Bye.